in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. Yeah, I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right, all right. Welcome in. It is the Friday, May 20th edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1. You know it better as the Big X. Trevor Kelsey's still out today. We've got uh, we, we got Keith Wynn in studio today. It's going to be a fantastic three hours. We're going to cover a lot of ground. We're with you right here until 6 o'clock. We want to hear from you between then and now. 502-414-1450. You know the number. It's the Thornton's text line. We love our friends over at Th- Thornton's. We love Kelly Leonardo. We love Sugar Bowl champion Alex Cupper. And we love the fact that they're bringing you the best deals on gas. Man, you need it now more than you need it ever. If you want to save money at the pump, download that Refreshing Rewards app. It's going to save you money every time you fill up at any one of the 16,562 area Thornton's locations. They're that many for a reason. It's a good, great place. You know why we have a lot. Uh, if you're not going to have a lot of anything, that's not great. And that's why we have Thornton's, and that's why we have the Thornton's tax line. Uh, we've got plenty of stuff to get to today. We're going to give away our last set of passes for the Bourbon and Beyond and Ladder Than Life. That contest, the Pick the Headliner contest, will wrap up today. We've got all sorts of wild stuff happening. We've got Louisville baseball to recap from last night and to get into today. They're going to have the first pitch for Game 2 of their series with Virginia. That's going to happen at 4, so we'll have intermittent updates throughout the course of today's show. We've got updates on the Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban front. We've also got Satterfield, uh, Nick Saban updates. We've got more football talk, recruiting, uh, Louisville football recruiting. Could be popping off. Could have some news this weekend. We'll get to all of that good stuff. We also have a murder for hire plot in Louisville that demands <laughs> attention, and we're going to talk about that as well. But before we do any of that, got to say hi to my guy, Keith Wynn, uh, deputy editor over at Card Chronicle. Follow him on Twitter, at Keith underscore Wynn. We love having him on the show. He actually makes us sound smarter when we're talking about football. Keith, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? Hanging in there. Uh, I'm glad that you know we are at the OG Studios in Jeffersonville. I'd forgotten that you worked across the bridge, so this actually kind of worked out. Worked out okay. Yeah, it's a little bit closer. You know, it's a uh, you know nice, nice, fun area to to visit in Jeffersonville. Uh, so lovely. They are. <laughs> so no, it worked out great because I got to come right down from down the street from work, so a lot easier. A couple of quick facts right off the top. How about this? It is so. It is officially the hottest May twentieth in the history of the city of Louisville. Feels like it. Feels like it. I mean, doesn't feel a degree cooler. Like, I, I mean, it's. If you told me that, I saw that fact. I was like, yeah. There's no part of me that was like <laughs> that. That kind of surprises me. Bonus fact: May twentieth is the latest in a calendar year that it has ever snowed in the city of Louisville. How about that? That sounds about right for us. How about that? That sounds about right. Because <laughs> I, I got on Instagram today, and like one of the accounts had like a picture of all the snow across. I was like, what the hell is this? Like, it's like it's the latest it's ever snowed in the history of Louisville, and now we have the hottest day ever. So, yeah. making you smarter right off the bat today. Uh, we've got <laughs> Texas says, did Keith get Arby's today? You know, Trevor gets Arby's every single day. He comes in. I did not know that. 
Keith does not have Arby's, guys. He <laughs> does not, not have Arby's, no. He actually had a streak. Uh, he was chasing DiMaggio there for a while. He had 14 consecutive <laughs> days of Arby's. We had a remote. It threw him off. He didn't get Arby's, and now he's back at it. When he left uh, on Wednesday, I think it was like seven straight days of Arby's. Uh, do you know his eating habits are um, questionable? Intriguing. <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> all of those words uh, will apply. Yeah. Uh, Keith. Yeah, I, I'm sad we didn't. Matt McGavick loved having him on yesterday. It was fantastic. I would have loved to have you on it as well yesterday because it was the height of the Jimbo sa- Saban fever. I, I mean, the stuff was popping off everywhere. We were taking Saban quotes from his 4:30 interview like, as the show happened. It was, I mean, just fascinating. You're as a college football fanatic. I mean, you college football is your thing. You you are that dude. Like you love following the sport. Give me your overall reaction to the last 48 hours. I mean, one of the wildest offseason feuds that I can really remember. Yeah, it's 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 weird. I mean, it feels like Saban kind of felt the boat rock, you know, like he he's he's been you know, Jimbo wasn't wrong, you know, we treat him as like the the czar of college football because he dominates it and it feels like he's he's feeling some pressure. Uh I know some people are saying that he's just really talking to his boosters. I don't see that at all. I mean, Alabama doesn't really their boosters don't need to be, you know, told what to do and whatnot and obviously Alabama's still recruiting at an elite level. I think he just genuinely is just an old dude. He's kind of feeling like the game is changing on him, the recruiting landscape's changing, and the old part is just he's just going to say what's on his mind. And that's, I mean, that's it. I, he was completely wrong <laughs> for for calling out specifically, you know, schools and, and coaches. And in turn, my issue with it is that you're really kind of calling out the players, the, the recruits, which yeah. I think kind of gets lost in this whole, it's funny and all, but that part of me rubbed, rubbed me the wrong way, but. Other than that, it just seemed like he was just kind of a old old man yelling at you know cloud kind of situation, and you know Jimbo came back with just heat. I mean, <laughs> like I was just like, dude, this guy's just he 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 came out swinging. So it was it was fun. I thought <laughs> it was more. I I mean, Jimbo coming back as hot as he was was. I didn't. I don't know. I didn't expect it. I, I didn't, didn't expect either. him to go that hard, but it was great. You know what? It kind of reminded me of after thinking about it for twenty four hours. At least the Saban element of it. It reminded me of. And it, it's bizarre to think about it in these terms because this doesn't happen anymore. It hasn't happened since this guy left. But when Rick Pitino, remember when Rick Pitino called a press conference essentially just to rail about shoe companies? Yeah. It was like the middle. I mean, I was getting my car worked all like it was like my, I was waiting for my car to get finished, like just doing like basic inspection. And it's like Patino's calling a press conference. I was like, oh no. <laughs> and he just called a press conference to be like, shoe companies are corrupt. We've got to change this. Yeah. And it was essentially like, I'm old. I, I don't give a bleep what anybody thinks about what I say anymore. Yeah. The only thing that he didn't do was like name John Calipari explicitly and start talking about like I know he paid this kid that much right. or I knew like that was the only difference in the two things. And there is a part of me that that kind of likes that we get to a point like I don't I don't agree with a lot of what Nick Saban is saying. Mm-hmm. Most of what Nick Saban is saying, I think it's also hypocritical that it's coming from him. Yeah. Um. I did agree with a lot of what Rick Pitino was saying. I didn't think it was in his best interest to yeah. do a lot of those things, <laughs> and I think it kind of blew up in his face a little bit as time went on. But I do like the whole really high profile coaches who have been very high profile for a long time when they get into like their sixties and they're just kind of like you know what. Been biting my tongue for a long time. Yeah. To hell with that. I'm going to call a spade a spade. You see it a lot. We didn't really see it as much with Mike Krzyzewski, but some other coaches in college basketball have gotten to that point. And they've yeah. kind of just been, you know, unfiltered. I I think it would have been a lot better if it had come from a different source. Yeah. But I also don't get I was talking about this with Matt yesterday. Like, what isn't Saban really that upset about? Like, shouldn't shouldn't there be... Like like ninety nine percent of the other coaches in college football more upset about what's happening right now than him. 
is it just that he didn't get the number one recruiting class and he's worried that now it's going to become a thing because he doesn't have I mean, Bama should have as much advantage as anybody in yeah. this brave new world. And it seems like he's not really recognizing that. I just don't really understand it. It's almost as silly as the, the parody comment, which, you know, I know it was a little bit out of context. But realistically, there's, there hasn't been true parody in college football ever. No. I mean, and him trying to make it he's, – he's, he's trying to play it as, as well, there's been – and there hasn't been an unfair advantage. You know, everybody gets the same amount of coaches, same amount of scholarships, but that's not what it takes to win football games at college football. So – it's not a real genuine, you know, genuine fact to say that, and it's. He, I think he's trying to portray it as he's looking at the health of all of college football, and that's. I mean, Alabama has like forty analysts. <laughs> I mean, you know, like you, you, you're already playing at an unfair advantage, and you know that, so you can't treat it as if the most dominant program in the country cares about the rest of the the, right. the playing field. So yeah, he him him being the guy makes no sense. Uh, it, and and there are plenty of coaches that definitely should be saying what he's saying, and it would it would hold water. But I, I, I it it feels weird, and I, and I don't mind that Saban doesn't like the way the game is going. I, I don't mind any coach saying that as long as they have some kind of idea of how to really make it better. And he he does. It it's, it might be a stupid way, but at least he's coming with something that hey, we should maybe try this instead. But the idea that he is is looking out for the little guy. That's what it. That's what it comes off to as being. It's just. It's just in, it's disingenuous. One thing that I don't like that's happened in the last twenty four hours since the last time we talked. So I. I had. I love doing, just trying to to put Louisville into this somehow. And so my whole thing was, you know, Saban has kind of seemed a little bit like he's on tilt to, to use yeah. the term. Like he's just he's lashing out at everybody. He's saying stuff and then having to apologize later. And this like the first person who kind of called him out was Scott Satterfield, who yeah. came out and said publicly. I'm not dumb. Nobody's dumb. Tyler Harrell clearly was tampered with. Yeah. You know, you, you can't tell me two plus two doesn't equal four when you're looking at, you know, we hear rumors. He enters the portal a few days later. He visits Bama. He commits to Bama. Like, <laughs> what do you want me to say? And then he did the, the sit down with um, Tim Sullivan of the Courier Journal. And again, like the big story that came out was the upside down UK logo behind him, which now people are still uh, talking about. But the, the loss in that was he actually – tried to walk it back a little bit his, his quote was I didn't call coach Saban out I'm talking about generalities talking common sense here when a guy gets in the transfer portal and a couple days later he announces where he's going what's going on which again is calling Saban out yeah. like you can say whatever you can say I didn't name him by name but I, I'm I wish he hadn't walked it back I wish he didn't say I didn't call Saban out I wish he would just have said the last part of that yeah. like because Let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. We everybody know what happened. If it gets to you and me, Keith, if we hear about this, like then it's real. Like the, yeah. there's enough smoke there that there has to be some fire. And w- like the text line had heard. Like they brought they were bringing it up when we started the show. Like, yeah. You guys hearing the Bama thing? And it, like, come on. And I think the 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 thing I think what happened is that it turned into a Saban versus Satterfield thing in the headlines and whatnot. And I, I remember seeing that and I'm like I could feel I I would bet that Sat probably doesn't really like sure. that. Sure, yeah, he doesn't And the like reason it. being is because the point that he and Saban, because even when Saban denied it, he said, the, he, he said the same thing that Satterfield said, which is people are going to intermediaries that know these kids and, and going kind of back channel to make this work. So it's really not the head coach. And it's like, well, the head coach is still, if you're not asking how do we, how do we learn about this kid, how do we know about this kid, how do we know he's going to come, you're you're not doing your job, so you know you're just not the one actually doing the true tampering. Uh, but it's funny, randomly off note, 
I've been working on this transfer uh, piece that I've still need to finish, and it's like twenty five hundred words that I've because I can't stop writing. Love it. Uh, you know who? You know, uh, Satterfield said, you know, it's happened to us before. He's talking about Kanai Walker. So mm. Kanai Walker, in an interview with an o- Oklahoma site, said that when he hopped in the portal, one of the Oklahoma coaches knew his high school coach, and when I when I got when I hit the portal, they had already talked. They I the wording is it, he either said. They already talked talked about it or worked it out, and I'm like, that's that's what tampering is. Right. That's that's how that's the back channel, right? College coach knows your high school coach. You know, all of a sudden you hit the portal out of nowhere, by the way, and then you take one visit a couple days later, and all of a sudden you're good to go. Yeah, that that is how this is working, and I get why coaches are complaining about it, but also if every coach is complaining about the same issue, and it's it's a coaching issue, you guys have the power to change it. And instead, they just complain about it. And it's like if you're not if you're actively participating in something, you cannot complain about it at the same time. And that's my only real issue with it. It's gonna happen, and it is the way it is. But it's something that coaches can control if they really wanted to. They don't want to. They just want to whine about it. And that's just that's the part that just gets really old and really tired. Everybody knows how recruiting. I, I say that. I think a lot of people know how recruiting has worked in both men's college basketball and football for a long time when it comes to the shady dealings where mm-hmm. it's the head coaches are able to throw their hands up even though they can still get suspended for things that they had no knowledge of there's still most coaches will do this thing where it's like hey want that kid make it happen yeah and, and <laughs> i don't care how it happens like just let's get him committed yeah and i think there was i mean for for better or worse at the end of rick patino's tenure like he just he didn't want to recruit. Like right. he wanted to do the thing where it was like, you know, you get the kid on the hook. I'll come in and do an in-home visit and all that stuff. But off season, I'm going to Miami. Like yeah. I, I want to chill. I'm going to Florida. I'm going to hang out with my family. I don't want to be a part of this. And so that's why you saw, and you can blame laziness if you want to. I don't think that that's unfair, but I think that's why you saw him start to hire AAU guys. It's why he, even in the face of drastic NCAA violations before, still hired Jordan Fair, who's yeah. an unproven assistant coach, which I think was his the biggest mistake that he ever made. Mm-hmm. It's like, This has been the game for a long time, and now it's becoming more of not just going to assistants and saying, hey, don't care how it happens, I want this kid. It's going to these collectives or going yeah. to these you know business dealers and being like, hey, just, just so you know, there's a really fast kid at Louisville. We need to replace <laughs> a really fast wide receiver. Make something happen yeah. there. And, and I know the NCAA has said that they're going to try to, to, to fix these loopholes. I don't know what the fix is, especially yeah. when you haven't still haven't created any set of overarching rules to try and navigate these waters. It just seems like right now, at least until there are some parameters set, it's going to continue to be the Wild West. And anybody who's complaining about it, you're just kind of screaming into a void. Yeah, and you know, you get... You know, there was just Ivan Mazel wrote a story where he interviewed the the guy with the coaches union, and you know he, he had all these ridiculous quotes. I mean, just insane quotes. It's great. I had a coach, you know, a coach reached out to me and said that his quarterback came and wanted to talk to him, and he just throws he throws out, and I'm like, what are we talking about here, guys? Like, stop. Like, we get it. It's 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 harder to be a be a college football coach right now, but two guys making ten million dollars a year got into a childish spat yesterday or the last few days and we're supposed to feel bad for these people they make 10 exactly. million dollars a year ryan day just got a new contract you have guys making absurd amounts of money and the moment players got a little piece of it and it's still a very small piece of college football they they freaked out <coughs> and i just don't think that anybody cares like i, I we're not gonna feel bad for you no it, it the 
the irony of Jimbo Fisher calling a press conference to call Nick Saban a narcissist is, yeah. is not lost on anybody. It was, I mean, like these are two just insanely narcissistic people, insanely rich people. Yeah. It, it is what it is. I'm, I'm not going to feel sorry. We have a little bit of breaking news here. Uh, not gigantic breaking news, but basketball scheduling news. We the, people have kind of we had a question a couple of days ago about the non-conference schedule. What's out there? I know Greer has been trying to you know put out some FOIA requests and trying to figure out who we're going to play. We now have a big piece of the puzzle. Uh, Louisville is going to play Oklahoma State in the 2022 Armed Forces Classic at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. This is we've played this before. Uh, we played against uh, Minnesota. It was the Patino versus Patino game a few years ago when Montrose Harrell made like five threes and then didn't make any for the next month and a half. <laughs> and like, we're like, oh my God, he really did get a lot better than he missed 20 straight. Um, but we're playing in that game again. Oklahoma State, um, you know, they were ineligible for the NCAA tournament last year. They got absolutely railroaded. It was a, a total screw job. There was no reason for that team not to, to be postseason eligible. And I think... Uh, Mike Boynton did a fantastic job at keeping them engaged. They still went 15 and 15. They bring back virtually everybody from that team. Um, so I, I think there's there's a lot of intrigue with the Cowboys because they beat a lot of good teams in the Big 12 when they were playing quality competition. They played up to that level. And when they didn't, I think you can easily write that off as sort of malaise by knowing that you can't play in the, the Big yeah. 12 tournament or the NCAA tournament. And so I think there are a lot of people who think, you know, you look at their parts, bringing back a lot of guys, no superstars, but – if they have the added incentive now of playing for a postseason, they could be much, much better. I think they'll be a fringe top 25 team going into the year. That's a good addition to Louisville's uh, non-conference schedule, which is, is going to be very tough. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's it should help with just adding the excitement with, you know, your new staff, new players. I mean, obviously, Kenny Payne still needs to add more from the uh, portal or, you know, potentially, you know, another freshman or JUCO route, whatever it may be. And you just have new, new pieces, uh, a new coaching staff, a new – I mean, it – I'll say this, you know, the last time I was on with you, we we were we talked about how still to really know, you know, what to think about the idea of even potentially hiring Kenny Payne. I couldn't have imagined the response that he's gotten from the fan base and the excitement that he's driven. Sure, um, and it's and it's awesome because I think he, you know, we we had both said that that day that I don't even know what his voice sounds like, you know, yeah. and then he gets in front of a microphone and he really is just an impressive guy to just listen to about how he talks about coaching kids. And I think that's the fun part. You get all the, the you know, you don't get the, the the catchphrases and things like that that you normally hear. And it's not always just about basketball. You just kind of get a guy that just seems like he just really wants to, you know, improve kids from a coaching standpoint. Uh, and I think it's been great. He's been around the community too, which I was really uh, excited about. So uh, adding more games that are going to get the fans excited. Because I don't think anybody's going in this year like, hey, he's got to win. Okay, we've got even bigger breaking news. You kind of thought this might happen. It just happened. You're gonna get ready to get excited. Am Jer I? Jermaine Lolay? Yes, has committed to University yes. of Louisville. There we go on air. There you go. That's huge, man. I know you're. I mean, McGavick was 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 very excited about these prospects. I know you're very pumped about this. Um, there have been some some questions from the text line the last several days about you know what's going on with this. I know there was a lot of confidence before his visit that he may commit on the visit or immediately after the visit, and then he still had said this week. I think he was planning on taking. The visit to Florida this weekend, Texas Tech, Oregon after that. I know there was a little bit of worry that if he made it down to Florida, there may be, I don't know, in this day and age, NIL deals being made, offers being made that could sway him one way or the other. Yep. But Jermaine Lole is going to play for the cards this year. Jermaine Lole is a huge, huge, huge addition for this team. Uh, I'll give credit to the staff, too, because, yeah, I, I, I you know, he he kind of made his decision last weekend and had a chance to, to go somewhere else and – 
you know, these guys kept fighting for him. And I, I that was all week. We've been just sitting here waiting. You know, and of course, you get some – you don't always get the confer- confirmation that, hey, this actually happened. But, you know, we you know what what's going on. And I'm like, hey, are they sure about this? Because this guy hasn't announced anything. And then, uh, you know, I actually heard, you know, that they're still, you know, in it. They felt good about it. But I was like, I don't know, man. If he goes to Florida – you know, anytime someone is still taking visits, you never know. Um, so it's, this is huge, man. I think he's going to be a game changer for the defense. Uh, big 300-pound body. I know the fans have just wanted 300-pound guys. That's 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 all that matters. They have to be 300 pounds. Uh, and now Louisville with Lole, adding in with what they're bringing back, a lot of young guys that are unproven, but some guys that flash some good things. You've got three 300-pound defensive tackles on the roster now, going from pretty much zero two years ago. Um, so that's going to be a huge factor, but this kid can play. I mean, he's an NFL-level player, and Louisville hasn't had a lot of NFL talent. So adding we, that is just huge. We were talking yesterday. I'll ask you the same question that I asked Matt because I, I was thinking this reminds me, and not with the same controversy, but the, when we added Devontae Fields before the 2015 season, you know, there was a lot of issue with him. There was an issue with his game. I mean, he was a guy who had been viewed after being the Big 12 defensive player or defensive freshman of the year as like a future NFL can't-miss prospect to get him bolstered the defense, he, you know, I know some people thought he was a little bit of a letdown because he was preseason. I think he was preseason All ACC Defensive Player of the Year or something, which seemed yeah. unfair. He still was first team All ACC at the end of the year. Yep. He made that defense markedly better. Um, did not end up having an NFL career. There are people who think that Jermaine Lole has a much better chance of being like a. NFL player there there are people who two years ago thought that he was gonna after the 2019 season bounce and be like a first round pick I mean can he have as much or more of an impact for this defense as Fields did back in in 2015 I think so I think you know here's the thing with Lole he started off at Arizona State as a defensive end in a 4-3 so he's played on like kind of an edge type role at 280 something pounds they they moved him down to a three technique which is um you know if you you know not a nose tackle, but your guy that plays, you know, the other defensive tackle spot, played at 310 pounds and and played really well in the the COVID season. You know, where you only get four games out there in the Pac-12, but all of his numbers were better on average than they had been the year before when he played outside. He's going to come in here and play as a nose tackle at 305, 310 pounds, uh, but he can still play the end spot for Louisville. He can line up next to your Sir Abdullah as a pass rusher in, on third downs as a defensive end where now you've got to account for both of those guys coming off your edge. Um, you can play he, – he's a three-down guy, which not always the case. I mean, his versatility is what really impresses me, and I think that's going to help him. That was what I thought their sell would be because he can show the NFL scouts that, hey, I can play any defensive line spot, uh, different weights, different different schemes. All He played in two different schemes at Arizona State. He's going to play in a different scheme now. I think it's an opportunity for him to show as an NFL guy. So I think that's for that standpoint. From a production standpoint, you've got you've you've got to get the other guys getting to the level, the the, the producing where they can. A Yaya Diaby who's put up a lot of under the radar stats with pressures and things like that, and his grade outs are great. But you need to get sacks. You need to get tackles for loss. You've got Yasir Abdullah coming back as the best pass rusher in the in the ACC coming back this year. I mean that's something that they can build off of. I think Ben Perry, I've, I'm sure anybody that, that reads my stuff <laughs> knows that I'm obsessed with Ben Perry. Um, he looks like he's going to be a starter at the card spot. Another guy that can rush the passer, get after it, and make plays. You have more things working. Aston Gelati coming off a really good freshman season, very underrated freshman season. So you've got all these pieces. Everything with the defense is 
very much like it was last summer. It's like, yeah, man, they, they should be there. They've got to show it. And I think he he gives them a piece that they just did not have. I'm excited about Caleb Banks, a big six foot six, three hundred pound guy, but he's a freshman. He's a redshirt freshman, didn't get out of play. You know, we haven't seen the you know consistency from Destel, but that also gives you depth, right? Guys that you can play right. more and, and rotate guys out. So they're you know, when you team in with the other transfers they got, they've got a lot of guys, they've got a lot of options to do some sub package stuff, all the technical stuff that I'm like I can nerd out on. They just weren't able to do. Now they should be able to do that, and you've got your key piece to it. So I think he could be an all-ACC guy. I think he's definitely going to the NFL. I, I I can't say enough about the addition. It seems to me like the the depth, because we've talked about this really since the 2018 season, the depth on the defensive line and the offensive line to a lesser degree just hasn't been there. When you've had, you've had a couple of really good players that have been able to generate a consistent pass rush or generate a, a nice push up front. And then when they've needed a break, when if they've gotten hurt, there hasn't been anybody behind them. Now, with Gelade looking like he could be a breakout sophomore star, uh, adding Lole, having Destel, having Caleb Banks, having like Ramon Perrier, like they're still not there. But it seems like they're never like I've always felt for the last couple of years that we're like one bad st- step on the defensive side away from just being decimated to having like no. Yeah. And now I think there's a little bit of a safety net. Like yeah. you, you've got guys that can step up and play reps you, you've got guys that you can interchange you've got and not lose a whole lot it seems like we're we're not maybe not there yet but my god like if this isn't the step forward year yeah. that we've been talking about for yeah. what seems like 17 years now I, I don't know what to tell you because the the linebacking core should be good mm-hmm. defensive front should be bolstered now significantly the secondary I think has a chance to be pretty Dare I say, like, good? Do I use that word? Am I allowed to use that word? Like, it, they look like they've got guys. That, like, this should be, should be, should be, should be yep. a better defensive team this year. I, You know, it's funny. I, I said a couple couple months ago, I was like, I'm, I refuse to say it. I'm just going to say they're going to have to prove it. I refuse to say anything positive about this defense. It's fair. They, because last year I said the same things. Uh, but you're 100% right. I mean, this is – it was funny. As they kept adding secondary guys, uh, people started complaining. And I was like, did you guys watch the bowl game? Like, they just didn't have anybody. They didn't have warm bodies to play. Now you're bringing in five, six guys who – starters at their former schools, guys that started in the ACC, guys that were All-Americans at the FCS level. Like, you can't get much better than that from a standpoint of adding depth that's actually – you feel good about. And, you know, you lose Greedy Vance, a guy that played well for you, didn't play lights out, but played well, and he's a piece that you feel like can grow with. And obviously, Kanai Walker had potential, and it seems like out of Oklahoma, they feel good about him, but he hadn't really shown what he can do yet. And so, yeah, the potential's there, and he might be a full year away. Like, Greedy Vance took a step, and you're waiting for him to take that next step to be a really quality, big-time player for you. You're adding in a Quincy Riley who essentially led the led the country in interceptions per game. Jarvis Brownlee, who played started at the ACC level from the time he stepped on Florida State's campus. Those guys have things they got to work on. They're not superstars. You're not going to get a first-team All-American maybe, but you might. Kittrell Clark, we didn't think he was going to be what he was. He turned out to be first-team All-ACC. So they have these pieces that they're adding on defense that should allow them the depth stuff should not – is not even a – I don't, I don't want to hear. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the type of thing that it's like – there's no, I don't want to say, hey, there's no excuses, because I think, obviously, we saw last year, you you lose a, a key player at any position, it takes away from things you can do, but it's going to be hard to, to you know, excuse anything away. Like, hey, well, we, 
we struggle with this, and it's like, okay, we'll play the other guy. Yeah. You know, one of those guys has got to sit. Jarvis Brownlee is probably not going to be your starter. Okay, well, do you need to play this guy more than the other guy? Uh, you look at the safety position. You've already got uh, Griffin in. You've got Alexander, a guy from Duke that played a couple different spots. He can play corner. Like, they've just got more options, so much more versatility. It's hard not to get at least a little excited, but I'm not going to do it. I feel like getting lit up by Air Force in a bowl game has to be like the ultimate rock bottom oh, moment man. for the, for a secondary or the secondary coach or the defensive side. Also, like I think like two days before, Russ East had been named first team all Big yeah. Twelve too, which was just like, <laughs> well, it was like a uh, like bubbles from the wire when like Johnny died. Like it was like, well, this is the moment. Like it's either we're either going to get lit up by everybody forever, or we're going to make a concerted effort to get better here. And I think that they added people and. and one of the things that sucks too is it, it, like for as bad as the secondary was, especially down the stretch, Greedy Vance was one guy who really seemed to, to kind of get it, had like a light bulb moment after getting thrown out there at the beginning of the season and looking like like he was getting thrown out there at the beginning of the season. Yeah. He made he started playing much, much better as the season went on. And you thought, okay, we'll get Trey Clark back next year healthy. Mm-hmm. We'll have Greedy Vance opposite him. That's a pretty good duo there. We'll bolster our secondary. Kendrick Duncan's coming back. Like we should we should feel good. And yeah. then Vance bounces for for Florida State and you're kind of left scrambling. But they've brought in enough guys, I think, that we should I mean, I know you love Quincy Riley too I love a Quincy lot. Riley. Yeah. We should again. Should, yeah. should, should, should <laughs> not be getting lit up by teams like Air Force through the air uh, anytime soon. We have to take a break. Uh, uh, the Jermaine Lole celebration is going to continue here after the break. Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450 if you got questions for uh, for Keith. We're going to have a fun show now. I'm feeling good. The vibe is right. Mike Rutherford Show rolls on after this. Again, Mike Rutherford Show, Friday edition rolling on here on 1450 The Big X. This has turned into the Jermaine Lole uh, <laughs> celebration show. It happened on air. The air, former Arizona State defensive tackle, defensive uh, lineman, has committed to Louisville. And this is uh, no small deal. Keith Wynn with me in studio today, and he is he's celebrating as well. This is a guy that we've been talking about now for several weeks as a potential game changer on the defensive side of the ball. And it's one thing, I, I think, for... I think there are a lot of Louisville fans out there that are hesitant to get excited about what's happening on the recruiting side of things, the traditional side of recruiting things. And I get that. I mean, we have, we're Louisville football fans. We've seen this song and dance a few times before, not like this, but we've seen it where we've landed a a high four-star guy, a fringe five-star prospect. And I think after getting burned several times, because let's face it, Louisville for most of our lives has been sort of above, slightly above average on the college football, like, pecking order, hierarchy, whatever yeah, you want fair. to say. Yeah. We, we've seen, you know, Notre Dame swoop in, Ohio State swoop in, Florida swoop in, and we've lost a lot of these guys. So it's become a thing where I think a lot of Louisville football fans say, you know, I'll get excited when they sign their names on the dotted line. Yeah. Or I'll get excited when they sign their names on the dotted line and, and are fully up. eligible and show up <laughs> on campus. So I, I get a little bit of the hesitancy here. This is 
a different animal. I mean, this is a you've got a guy who was a first team All Pac-12 performer, a guy who I think a lot of people believed would already be in the NFL at this point and may like quite possibly be had he not been injured at the beginning of last season. And you, you're beating out some big time names for this yeah. guy. I mean, you're you're beating out Florida, you're beating out USC, you're beating out a number of high profile schools that seem to make a whole lot of sense for him. This is something. This is something worth getting excited about. I'll, I'll say that. You know, I'll put it this way. You know, the best way to put it, we talk about beating out teams. He could walk into USC's campus right now and be a starter. Yeah. At, for a team that needs help on defense, completely decimated roster. Lincoln Riley is killing the portal, uh, and he's from he's from LA. I mean, he's from Compton. And this guy's choosing to to come across the country. He set up these visits. You know, it feels like you know, kind of reading, thinking in hindsight that Louisville probably felt good coming into the first visit. I think him getting them getting the first visit was 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 telling, but he set up these visits with I think with the plan to go. I mean, all those all those places are reaching out to him. Uh, Florida ha- has genuine needed defensive tackle. Oregon doesn't at all. So that was the one I was like that doesn't make any sense. But you know he's he's got some schools that he's looking at that that need him, and he also could have gone back to Arizona State. He he really enjoyed his time there. He made that very much. He was very transparent when he hit the portal. He he wanted to see what was out there. He wanted to see if he can get better nil, a better better nil situation. But he really liked being at Arizona State. He liked what they were doing. He lo- he liked his defensive line coach, um, and I think that was really important to him. And he still he still popped. I mean, yeah. I, I think that this really, you know, I'm in the middle of trying to post a story uh, <laughs> of, of of. And one of the things I wrote in it though is I think it says something about where Louisville stands from an nil stand, nil standpoint. Um, anytime you can get a kid who it, that just says it like that. Hey, I'm looking for getting an NIL deal, and he pops for you. I think that's that's something because we don't get a lot of insight on exactly what's going on. You see what's going on with Malik a little bit because his his NIL deals are more out there. Marshawn Ford has a Danos and things like that. You know, some of these other schools are are their their collectives and whatnot are just announcing yeah. what's going on. Miami obviously is the, is the main one there, but. A lot of these things, you got Tennessee and and their recruiting stuff that they're just making it known that some kids getting eight million dollars, you know, stuff like that. Louisville's not really, we're not seeing that, but we do know that obviously there's some good nil things going because this is part of recruiting, it's part of retaining kids, and I think they have some positive things going. So that's another aspect of this that I'm I'm kind of excited about that they can go out in the transfer market, bring kids in, and they're seeing that there's some nil opportunities for them to, them to work with. I think that bodes well for going forward with Louisville football. Yeah, when you're hearing that the reason why Jermaine Lole hasn't announced a commitment to Louisville is Florida's potentially working on a, a deal to offer him right. ahead of his visit this weekend, and that's why it's taking so long, and that's why he may end up going to Gainesville this weekend. And Florida is a program with a large fan base, a lot of tradition, a lot of money behind it. Mm-hmm. And when you know all that, and still right ahead of that visit, he winds up committing to Louisville – it makes you feel, I mean, not just good about what had happened in this particular instance, but it makes you feel about good about NIL moving forward with yeah. Louisville because it was a, I mean, six months ago, we were talking about how much of a concern it was. Like, like why were all these Kentucky basketball players getting all these <laughs> deals with Louisville businesses and nobody from Louisville seemed to be getting anything other than like a couple of, you know, like Royals hot chicken deals. Like it, yeah. it just, we weren't getting anything going on and we also were like not exactly killing it on the recruiting front. Right. Then the Pierce Clarkson thing seems to have changed all that. And, yeah. and I, like you said, we still don't know all the details. Not all this stuff is out in the open, which I'm kind of okay with. Like, yep. however you're doing it, keep doing it. So long as we're not going to, so long as, it, you know, it's a new world. This is all by the book, you have to assume. Just keep keep going. But when Clarkson committed and he had the billboards all over town and all that stuff, 
and then everybody else. It, it's wild to see too the way that these recruits talk when they're on their visits. Like, like it's, I mean, Jermaine Lole tweeting out like it's, it's man, it's different here. Like this yep. is this is wild. And Pierce Clarkson saying, "I told you, I told you." And when all these kids come down, who will willingly admit when they're asked by recruiting writers, like I didn't know anything about Louisville. Yep. Pierce told me to come visit. I came visit. It's bleeping awesome. Like yep. this is incredible. It makes you feel good, not just about what's happening right now, but about the future of a variety of athletic programs at UofL moving forward. I mean, I think I remember reading when Aaron Williams, the, the cornerback in the 223 class, top recommended in the class, when he, when he, you know, did his interview afterwards, he was like, I just went out there, just whatever. Yeah. Like, literally, it was like, I didn't I don't know. Pierce was like, it was all about it. Uh, all the guys I know said they liked it. I just went out there without any real thought of it. He had just picked up an Alabama offer, left Louisville, Completely impressed, obviously. Went to Bama for a visit and then called the coaches. They're like, yeah, I'm ready to commit. Like, that's insane. That is just not the type of thing that we're used to seeing. But I do think that one thing I will go to bat for for Satterfield and his staff on since they got here. The recruits that come have been impressed. I think there's there's a change that's not just NIL. I think they also, and to be honest with you, Scott kind of admitted this. They've been here long enough to kind of know what to sell. They know how to really get guys in here and then show them what Louisville's really about and what they can do. And I think when they got here, he had never even been here before. Mm -hmm. Then COVID hits, and they can't really even themselves get out to really know what they can sell about the city, about the camp, all that stuff. And I think they're finally getting their footing, and I think NIL's just helping it. But Clarkson being the, the mouthpiece of this 23 class – I think everybody knows it, but it can't really be understated. I mean, it, he's really driving the bus from the communication that coaches can't do at all. You know, you need that. And I remember when Kyle Bolin was kind of that same way. Mm -hmm. He he kind of got the guys on a group chat, you know, like which is insane now. It's like now these guys are, you know, they can video and things like that, and they see each other more. But I think that like having that 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 alpha male guy that people want to follow just changed the game for them going forward and they they've just got to keep the momentum. And I feel like they're doing well with that. They're they're offering the right guys. They're getting in with some of these seven on seven training centers around the country. You know, we talked we talked before about, you know, Chris Vaughn and Aspirations Gym and how important that is. They've kind of looked at it as like we're gonna do that. We're gonna look at everybody around the country and not just tie ourselves to just have to do Louisville. And they need to do well here. Don't mm. don't get me wrong. But I think that it's, it was a little bit overstated because they had been struggling with recruiting. People just wanted, it's like, what are you guys doing? Like, what is what we is also, going on? We Tell didn't us. realize that taking some of the best players from California was a like, right. remotely an option. <laughs> exactly. Like, if that was on the table, then hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's, Louisville's not as important anymore. But I, I think that, you know, and I, I always stress this because I think there's the commitments came this year and they've come recently. They got in on so many of these guys last year. Clarkson was last April. He, it was a year ago when he when he got his offer. He was on campus last May, I believe. Actually, last June 16th, which is he's going to be back this year for his official. They've been in on him, Matt and Sanker, some of these other guys, Luke Burgess, who I think is a silent commit, by the way, that he'll be committing this summer, I think. That's breaking my guess. News. Breaking that's, news. That's my guess. It's take, a guess. Take it to the message board. It's an educated guess. Keith Wynn says. Just going to say. But they like a lot of these four-star guys they're in on, it's been a while, and they've been working it, and it. I, that's why I give them credit. I mean, you know, they've had some coaching turnover. They've had – Two different recruiting coordinators, out other than you know Pete Nata, obviously. Which kudos to Pete, who's yeah, he's he's the guy that that's always he's been there through the whole thing. Give them their kudos because they've been working these kids and it's working out, and they finally got that momentum. 
And I think the 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 official visit next month that weekend, I think it's going to be just as big as when Clarkson and they got a couple guys. They're going to get a big commitment and a couple other guys probably that weekend. They've got a lot of good things going for them. Just got to give them their credit for. For sure. Uh, in an ideal world, I think you know this year's team does well enough to to keep everybody happy, at least everybody content until we get this this recruiting class on, on board. In an ideal world, you have a good season this year. This class is as good as advertised. The momentum carries over to 24 and 25, and, and we enter this new period of sustained success where we're back to where we thought we were going to be when we joined the ACC for a right. long period of time. You yep. know, Flirting with double-digit wins just about every year, being a top 25 team, potentially playing for a conference championship. If the playoff expands, flirting with being in the playoff, all that good stuff. And if that does happen... Like it's not outside the realm of possibility to look back, regardless of how he winds up performing on the field. You mentioned Kyle Bolin, uh, still a significant piece in what the mm-hmm. success that, that I think Charlie had at the end of his tenure and Bobby had at the beginning of his. We could look back and look at uh, Pierce Clarkson as one of the more significant, like just figures in the history of this program. I don't think I'm overstating that. If, if these classes end up being as good as they look like they could be moving forward, I think you know it's it's funny because I. I mean, I, I I hate the comparison because, you know, I just I hate comparisons in general. But it's it feels like Teddy again. Yeah, the start of. I mean, you strong. just can't help but think about it because, you know, I think that, you know, they need a shot in the arm, and from a recruiting standpoint, and you need it to to get that shot. It has to be a quarterback. Fans react to quarterbacks no matter what. Like the I'm a diehard fan. I look at every – I'm looking at tight ends as like, man, these guys can really be a factor and, and they can change the way the offense can do this and the other. Nobody cares about those guys outside of like, hey, it's a highly ranked guy. Everyone wants to know about the quarterback. Everyone talks about the quarterback. Sure. And, you know, when it comes to recruiting, if you don't have a great quarterback in your class, no, just, it just doesn't have that same that same pal to it. You know, like – yeah, I look at I talk about Ben Perry all the time. He's the highest rated kid in that class. Nobody would be able to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Like nobody knows. You know, so I think that that's that's a huge part of it. I think he has the ability to, you know, and that was the thing with Teddy. You 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 look back on the interviews, you look back on the you talk about the interviews now when people talk about why'd you come to Louisville? Well, Teddy. Yeah. You know, Teddy went there and I that all they needed was to see that and they gave him the say, "Why not? Why not take a visit?" Because they got more guys every year from Miami and from that area year after year. And that's what you want to see from from bringing in Pierce Clarkson. And it might not be because the game is different now. It's more national. I mean, even this this in two weeks, they're going to be out in Vegas for some for a 707 tournament, right? Pierce Clarkson team, team has guys from Texas, Vegas, California. He, he, he plays with people from all over the country. And then he communicates with these guys. Javin Simpkins was talking about how much, how important it was to be able to talk to Clarkson. Madden Sanker, Luke Burgess. I mean, you sit here and it's like, this guy just has that, that ability to reach out to people. And I, think, I don't think that stops with his class. I think he, he has that kind of personality and that type of uh, kind of, you know, a little bit of like a, a fame. I don't want to call it fame, but he, he has that big personality that I think will reach out to guys in a 24 class, 25 class, especially when they visit and things like that. I just see him as a guy that like likes to build things. He just he just has that kind of way about him that's a little bit different than most guys. In this, I mean, this is here comes old man talk. You ready? Like in this <laughs> new social media age, though, you are able to kind of build that that brand for yourself, that persona for yourself before you enter your junior year of high school, and yep. have that effect where you know there are players that are ranked higher than you on the other side of the country 
who still look at you as like the dude because yep. like they see you on TikTok everywhere. They see how many Instagram followers you have. Like people will follow you when like he'll attract attention at a camp, even if mm-hmm. there are higher rated quarterbacks there just because of who he is. And there's something to be said for going to get that kid, even if he ends up not like, like maybe Caleb Johnson is the quarterback for the next yep. four years. And he's like fantastic. And he's just better than Pierce Clarkson. Yeah. The benefit of having Pierce Clarkson still <laughs> is overly apparent already. It's funny. Right? You kind of want to whisper like, hey, here's my hot take. I don't care how good Pierce Clarkson's going to be. Point, like, no, I just don't like, care. Yeah. I, I don't. And it's, I, it's, it's icing. It's, it's very weird to say that. I do think the more and more I've watched him, I watch more of his tape. I watch more of his game. I've watched as much as I could this summer because I really am just intrigued by the kid. He looks the part a little bit more. He looks like he's going to be a playmaker type of guy, which we see with Malik and whatnot. So throwing on the run, getting out of the pocket, he's he's really good at that stuff. I've When you watch his games, you notice the fact that his, his dad's a coach. I mean, yeah. you can see all the fundamental yeah. stuff, but the fact that he can get out of the pocket, throw off platform, all the you know buzzword stuff they talk about, he seems like he can do that stuff really well. Now, can he play under control and all that and that be the added part of his game? That's that's That gets you excited. But is it, or is that he? He's just gonna naturally try to run all the time, and maybe that doesn't work out, and maybe he doesn't catch on to the speed of the game. Who knows? I don't care. Yeah, I, I just yeah. don't. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here looking at him like they've got the top. He's one. He's the top rated player since they've joined the ACC, and he's not the best player in his class from a rating standpoint. That just that alone is just crazy to me to it's think nuts. about. And so I don't, you know, if he he if he's bringing guys in, if he's becoming kind of the face of the program in a sense of like from an excitement standpoint. Up until next fall, that's all positives for Louisville. All that does is draw attention from other recruits, gets the fans a little bit more excited, hopefully drives drives NL money from you know maybe inside of Louisville, outside of Louisville, whatever it may be. All of that is positive for Louisville, and I'm happy that Louisville is seems to be embracing NIL in the right way. From a, like you said, it's not out there in the open, but they're bringing in. They brought in a new NIL uh, guy for the athletic department. Uh-huh. They they seem to be working with some folks outside of Louisville. I'm all for it. I think it's a really the right way to go about it, and it seems to be working. So I'm all I'm all for it. And you know what? I don't need to know. Like I don't because I, I don't care. We are <laughs> we are fans more than than we are quote unquote media here. And I kind of feel the same way as I feel about when people were talking about you know Kenny Payne being so secretive with you know who he's hiring and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? If it were, I don't need to know. Yeah. I, I don't. The locker room policy. Would I like to have more stories on guys? Do I understand why people who do go to the locker room after games are frustrated by it? Sure. Mm-hmm. If it's going to help the team win games, don't care. Yeah, don't, yeah. Like, it's fair. At the end of the day, all I want, all I, I'm a simple man. Simple man. <laughs> I want to be happy. I want to make other people happy, and I want U of L athletics to be good. And that's that, that's that's all I want. Not Let's really win some crazy, more games. Right? On a related note, Scott. Let's not make this awkward. Let's. <laughs> this is, everything's going so well right now. Let's win at least seven games. Yeah, this year. yeah. Let, let, make this simple for everybody. No, <laughs> nobody's going to throw a parade for going seven and five. Better would obviously be better. Yeah. But that's the baseline. Let, let's make this not even a discussion. Let's let's start off hot. Let's I don't know a little five and one start. Maybe you get a new contract in the middle of the season. Everything's that's, good. We're that's all. What I'm feeling. You know, people are just. You know, we're. Good days are back. You're yeah. the Cardinal returns. Kenny Payne's the king. Like everything's good. Like. Let's make it easy on everybody. Please just beat down Syracuse. <laughs> beat them in a respectful manner to start yeah. the season. We'll take our shot against UCF. We'll come home. Nice crowd. Friday night game against Florida State. Would love to win that one. Let's just – let's not even have to have these conversations once we get to September. Because that's it's still out there. Oh, man. We still have to talk about it. I mean, every every time something good happens, you just get the feeling it's like, God, just win the games, man. Like, 
like let's just can we just keep this for a while can we keep this this fun I mean, it's I funny you, you asked feeling. me you asked me a while back like yeah you you know like you know is it nice to have positive news like yeah it's just really just i every time there's something good i'm like all right at least it's just not bad again they're not losing a game they shouldn't lose you know there there's there's not something silly happening with scott saying something that just just drives you crazy there's not a player transferring that, you know, is now mocking the program as they transfer. Yeah. It's like, all right, you know, get something positive. And, and honestly, since since Tyon Evans, you know, decided to transfer, I've been like, okay, there really hasn't been a ton of negative outside of the bowl game. And it, it's like, okay, the bowl game happened, and it's like, all right, well, this is bad. But they seem to have something positive coming from the transfer portal. And I and another thing I will say, I've it's been a – kind of unknown I'll, I'll say from my standpoint they were gonna have to hit the portal this year hard before they even had guys transferring out yeah because the roster is too young so they were gonna have to bring in some veterans and they knew that that's another thing I'll give them credit for because the first time I heard that I was like dude the transfers that you guys have been bringing in the last few years have not really done it for me they just haven't they have they've been going for you know Scott has this thing where he wants all conference guys or guys are all Americans it's like you're not gonna find that unless they're coming from a lower level and that's what they brought in, and it has not worked out. When they they, they brought in Tyon Evans, I was like, okay, they, oh, this is okay. And Momo Sonogo, I'm like, yeah. all right, we get SEC guys. That was when it was like, okay, they're they've. That's when I was like, they've definitely turned a corner, and then it's just kept going. So you know, like I said, love just having some positive things. We're what 105, 106 days away from the season. Let's keep that positive, and then let's win the games. That'd be nice. Make it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple for all of us. Text line says, and this is going to continue to be, be a thing. I guess every day now people are going to keep doing this. Uh, cool. We still need guards. Texture says, cool. <laughs> Let's get a surprise guard commitment for hoops today. It's gonna. It's not going to stop anytime soon. This is going to be a thing until we finally get this going. Uh, we got to go to break. When we come back, I want to talk to Keith about the wide receiver situation. I think that's intriguing right now. And, and I think there are some thoughts all over the place. Also, we'll talk a little baseball. Cards about to get things going. Game two against Virginia out there at Jim Patterson Stadium. Stay cool today. We'll be right back with hour number two. Mike Rutherford Show on In hour number two now of the Mike Rutherford Show. Hope your Friday is off to a fantastic start. Your weekend's off to a fantastic start. Hope you're staying cool. It is ungodly hot out there. But we're here for the next two hours celebrating the commitment of Jermaine Lole and other things that have been uh, taking place throughout the uh, the last 24 hours. Keith Wynn with me in studio over here at the OG Studios in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Um, real quick, Louisville baseball. I felt so bad. Yesterday we had Matt McGavick on the show, and he's here for three hours. And he was like, you know... Baseball, they moved the the start time up to four because, and he goes to everything. Like Matt yeah. McGavick covers, like there's like a softball game. Like oh, Matt McGavick's there and he's tweeting play by play. It's Absolutely. unbelievable. But so I, so I felt bad when they moved first pitch from six to four because of the weather because I knew he was going to have to miss being at Jim Patterson for a couple of hours and it wound up being okay for him because weather delay they didn't start until till six anyway. So he went straight to Jim Patterson from doing the show 
And then he ends up having to be there till like 1.30 in the morning <laughs> because they have rain and lightning delays. I, I, I thought that they weren't going to play the game. I figured they would move it to a doubleheader like today and just try to get this in. I understand their fear, though. You know, they they want to get as many games. They want to make sure they get the series in because you got the ACC tournament coming up. You can't really bump games to Sunday now. It was not, not, not fair to either team. And you want to get these games in because both Louisville and Virginia are chasing Atlantic and Coastal Division titles, respectively. Louisville, after winning last night, excuse me, four to one, currently leads the Atlantic Division. If they win both these games, they are your Atlantic Division champions for like the seventeenth time in eighteen years or whatever it is. Uh, they win four to one after many delays. Jared Poland, who's become kind of a storyline in the last month and a half of the season, emerging as the like fantastic Friday night starter, which had been something that the team had not found, was tremendous, and even more tremendous because he threw the first two innings has to sit for like three hours. Yeah. Usually, at least at the major league level, when that happens, they're going to just take you out, save your arm. They don't want you to have to, to restart. He comes back into the game. He winds up pitching seven full innings, two hits, one run, one walk, eight strikeouts against the second-best offense in all of college baseball. Michael Prosecki comes in, gets the save. He works the last two innings. Louisville wins 4-1. to one. And now, I think we were talking about this yesterday, if you win just one of these last two games, it doesn't really matter what you do in, in Charlotte next weekend you're probably going to host a regional. There's going to be more baseball at Jim Patterson. You're going to yep. be one of the top 16 seeds. If you sweep this series and you win at least one game next week in the conference tournament, you're probably going to be a top eight national seed. Uh, Louisville, I, I think this is, even though the offense has been, I hate to use the word struggling, they've been playing some of the best teams in the country, getting the, this boost in pitching the last couple of weekends has been, I think, makes me feel better about their chances of playing deep into the NCAA tournament. But right now, it, it's all about trying to take at least two or three from Virginia, win the series, win another AC championship, get ready for next week, see what your seeding is going to be, and then hopefully, I, I don't think there's any hopefully about it, there's going to be more postseason baseball at Jim Patterson Stadium. It's a fun time. Like Regardless of if you live and die with this team from February on, or you kind of hop on the bad wagon in May, it, it's become almost a staple around here. Since yeah. Dan McDonald arrived, like, in late May, in June, this is what we do. We start yeah. ride with the baseball team. And you get hype with it. I think the, the pitching improvement is definitely what's catching the eye. But, you know, another thing that I think it's been great to see is there's a few young guys that they've had to put in in different spots with, with injuries and whatnot uh-huh. and, and with longer game. Oh, wow. Longer games. Yeah, <laughs> every day to me. But, uh, that's kind of exciting because, you, you know, I think getting into the postseason, one of the things we see – uh, year in and year out, as you feel like they, they the bats get cold at certain moments, and it's like, man, even the best players on the team, it's kind of nice to know that if they get into a situation where you need a pinch hitter, uh, you know, or or something, you know, obviously, hopefully not an injury, but you know, something happens where you have to have another guy in there. They have some options, which is which is kind of nice right now. Um, you know, Christian Napsack Napsack is still out. Uh-huh. You know, hopefully, hopefully he'll be back. Um, you know, but if not, I think they've done pretty well replacing him. But if he comes back, you've got some options to to really. Uh, come in in late moments and, and, and key moments and maybe get a get a hit when you need one. So that's the part that I was really excited about watching the last few weeks. You know, the pitching is is I, I until until there's sustained <laughs> improvement, I, I can't help the, the pitching just really struggled this year. But watching these young guys come in and, and get some big hits and get have some moments, you know, you, you're at least building some confidence for the postseason for when you need a deeper team. Uh, and I think that's I just I'm I'm looking for the the thing that changes from what what's been happening. Seemingly every year this time is that you know you get hyped and then they either they, they they let you down. What's different? And I feel like they have some youth on the bench right now that can come in and make some plays for them. And that's that's got me pretty excited right now. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the concern is still the concern. You feel good about Poland. You feel good about Prosecchi. That's great for a Friday night game like last night. Yeah. I use Friday night in quotes because it's it was technically a Thursday night game. But in your, your first game, we'll say that, in a right. regional, super regional, and then Omaha, what have you, you feel good about that. Not, you don't feel good about anything else moving <laughs> you know, forward at this point. Yeah. You're going to have to beat – if you're going to win, you're going to have to win like 15 to 10. And yeah. the McGavick made a good point yesterday. He feels good about the current setup for them to get out of regional play and potentially to win a super regional. But if you do get to Omaha, the ballpark's huge. And yeah. it's, it's almost like you're playing a different sport when you get to the College World Series. I mean, there was a, a, a CWS, and I know they've changed the rules up a little bit. I think they've changed the bats and the balls a little bit to try and avoid this. But there was a CWS a few years ago where there was one total home run hitting the entire event. Jeez. Like it, it's, a, it's a gigantic ballpark. The ball does not travel, does not fly out of there. And Louisville has been a team that has won with with power and, yeah. and big hits this year, and might not bode well for them if they get there. But hey, that's a we'll cross that bridge when we, exactly. when we do. Yeah. When we have to, and, and yeah, if, if that's the worst thing that happens this season, that the ballpark's not great for us in Omaha, I think you you, you take that, especially yeah. given where we were like two months ago. Well, and I think the other thing is that I think you know you talk to you talk to the folks that really know this know this team, you know Matt, and then you know Matt on our side side also. They talk about the future. Do you know how to pronounce being, his last name? People, uh, people ask every day. Nobody knows. Not even a try. I think it's Sefcovic. After the, somebody uh, talked about it yesterday on the text line. Sure. Sefcovic. <laughs> Sefcovic. We nobody knows. I, I I was just I just bypassed it just so I didn't butcher it. You know, well, I'm like I yeah. only brought it up because it's become a thing on the show. McGavick <laughs> does a podcast with him. Doesn't know how to pronounce his last name. The the state of Louisville guys. They 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 do a podcast with him. It's their podcast. They don't know how to pronounce. it. I love it. They're like great. I'm sure you know he works for you. I'm like no idea. <laughs> No clue. Matt listens yeah. every day, just like pulling his hair out. He's like, these these angles. But one of the things those guys always come with is the the future for the program. Yeah, you know, I refuse to use the future as a bright thing, but they talk about the recruiting and some of the things they have in the pipeline. Some of these young guys that are already here, and then some of the guys coming. Uh, you know, they they follow the recruiting. They they know what's going on, and they feel really strongly that that there's going to be a real surge for Louisville baseball over the next couple of years. So to be able to get to Omaha would be really big this year just to take that next step because you're losing some guys and you're losing some key guys. But if you can if you've got those things in the pipeline, you've got, you know, and you're not coming off a second, you know, really disappointing season, I think that's a positive. If you can come off a really positive season, a really good season with the the with the future, you know, guys coming up the pipeline, I, I think that'll be really huge for the baseball program as in general. Thornton's text line is 502-414-1450. Texas says Loman just walked the first two batters to start this game yeah. on nine pitches. <laughs> Look, I mean, <laughs> Jared Poland was fantastic last night. He was outstanding, man. That's, he's really got command of the slider. He's been fan- He's just – we feel good about Jared Poland. Somebody else is going to have to step up at some point. If we're going to – I mean, not even just win, get to Omaha and, and make do some damage there – you got to win more than one game to win a super regional, and you're going to play a pretty good team if you get out of regional play. So we're probably gonna, somebody's going to have to step up and pitch pretty well. Now the the Saturday Sunday starters actually did a pretty good job last week, all things considered, against Virginia Tech. It was the bats that let them down, and yeah. I mean we're not. I, I don't think you can magically just expect one of these guys to step up and become a lights out guy who's going to give you seven scoreless innings or hold teams to you know, two runs through eight. You're going to have to score six or seven runs yeah. to win these games. But if you just if you can keep us from being a touchdown down after two or three innings, which has seemed to be the baseline for this, then I think you're, you're okay. Yeah. Uh, Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. We'll get to your thoughts here uh, now. Texas says, wow, was not expecting Lole to commit. Could not be a bigger addition to the team, especially at this point. 
Uh, Texas says, yes, people are just celebrating Lily's commitment on the text line. I'm just now cycling through through these. Texas says, I'll ask Keith straight up. Is he hammering the over for Louisville football this season? Mike said he was. Matt said he was. Trevor said he was. I trust Keith more than all of them. You should. (laughs) Is he hammering the over? Um, I I won't hammer the over, but I definitely feel uh, was five and a half. I I, I felt was really low. I mean, you look at the you look at the schedule with the first six games. You've got four teams that Louisville beat last year. I'm doing this off the top of my head. What Syracuse, uh, BC, Florida State, and UCF are are in the first half of the season, and then you have Virginia and South Florida. Virginia's got a new coaching staff and lost just a ton of players to the portal. I mean, they're a rebuild at this point. Um, South Florida, they got a really good quarterback in the portal. They've, they've been killing the portal the last two years, uh, recruiting better, but I think they won one or two games last year. Yeah. This is, it's as simple as this. Louisville, Louisville's roster right now is better than they were last year overall. You know, I think there's some, some questions. You know, the wide receiver spot is something that I, I refuse to be sold on. And it's just me being kind of stubborn, I think. Um, but the running back spot's better. The quarterback should be better, obviously, with another year. Offensive line should be better, in my opinion. A little bit more depth, and I personally think that Brian Hudson it will be better at center. Um, and you look at the defense, and I'm, I, you know, I've said this before. I'm, I'm not buying it until they prove it. But you should. can't get. Should they should be better? Should I mean, be you've got all the pieces now. Uh, you've improved your defensive line with Jermaine Lole. Uh, you've improved your secondary with what they got. They, they're much better from a talent and depth standpoint point in the secondary than they were last year. I have no problem saying that. Safety alone, they played with three safeties all of last year, and now you have six. You know, you have tons of guys. You've got versatility. You've got guys that can play safety and corner, guys that can play card and, and safety. I mean, it, it's 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 hard not to get um, a little excited, but, you know, this program for the last two years has been nothing but Go out on a Saturday and disappoint, you know. And 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 when I say disappoint, it's not like hey they're a bad team. It's that they're a better team than what they've shown. Those close losses last year, as much as people, rightfully so, are tired of hearing guys like Satterfield talk about them. They are what they are. I mean, you you talk about the the third the first three quarters in every game they played well all year, and then the fourth quarter not all year. Let's be real. Most of the games they played really well for three quarters, and then just blew in the fourth quarter. It's hard not to think with. The changes they made with a better roster, they should be better. You know, I think the coaching changes they made were overall better. You know, so yeah, I think they're going to be better than five and a half wins. I truly think they can win. They can go five and one in the first half of the season. They could also lose the last half of the season. I think that the the back half of the the schedule does not bode well for Louisville, in my opinion. But the first half, absolutely. And if you win, if you go out in the first half of the season and you play well. I can't imagine them just faltering without some kind of, you know, catastrophic situation like Malik going down yeah. or, you know, some some other things happening. So, to me, yeah, five and a half was too low uh, already. You bring in a game changer on the defensive line like this, which is an area that has gotten a little bit too much flack, in my opinion. The linebackers hadn't played up to par, in my opinion, and that's why their run defense has been so bad. But you're adding a guy that can be, can, can be a playmaker in every team – and Louisville needs this more than anybody, needs guys that can make big plays for you. And that's what he brings to the table, in my opinion. Speaking of big plays, I want to talk about the wide receivers real quick because you lose Jordan Watkins, who you thought was going to be not just your 
your go-to guy moving mm-hmm. forward, but like maybe the face of the program. They, they, I mean, he was the the face of the intro video last year that they did. Right. You lose Justin Marshall. You lose now Tyler Harrell, who, I mean, we still don't know what the hell is going on yeah. there. It's still a, a very strange situation. If you want to come back, hey, I'm, I'm all for it, Tyler. I love it. Hey, my arms are open. Exactly. You've got, you bring in a bunch of guys who are not established superstars, but you hope can help. You've mm-hmm. got D. Wiggins from Miami. You've got Tyler Hudson. Um, you've got Mari Huggins-Bruce coming back. You've got, it seems like, Braden Smith coming back. Devon Mortimer, it sounds like it's going to be a part of the team. It as far sounds as I know, like, yes. I mean, we're not hearing anything otherwise. Yeah. You've also got Marshawn Ford back, even though he's not a traditional wide receiver. Um, Josh Johnson played a decent amount last year. How concerned are you about the wide receiving core? Because it seems like you've got a lot of guys out there who could pop and step up, but mm-hmm. nobody that you just like, you you know, no established force, no no guy that you feel like, hey, he can definitely take the top off the defense. He'll keep defenses honest. He can yeah. be Malik's top target. It just seems like one of these guys is going to have to step up significantly. And it kind of, the scary thing for me is it kind of reminds me of on the hoop side the last few years where we've been like, well, we've got a lot of guys who should improve their shooting. Like yep. one of these guys is going to be our like knockdown shooter and just – they all have, have – none of them have stepped up. Yeah, you, you nailed it. You're relying on the potential of what can happen as opposed to you know. And I think that's where, for me, Tyler Harrell, you know, I, I think there's been – I think there have been, surprisingly to me, a lot of folks that just don't feel like it's it's that big of a deal. And I'm like, did you guys watch the games last year? It's a big deal. The guy's fast. Yeah. Like, you can't teach that stuff. And I think the thing for me is that I saw what he, what he what I think he can be. You saw these flashes of him being more than just a deep threat. And that's where, when you talk about developing talent, that's what you need to see: is can this guy be more than just what like a one-trick pony? When you you know when you when you look at you know a guy like Travion Cooley, who's a running back, who we saw some flashes last year, and you saw things like in the Duke game where he throws a stiff arm, and it's like okay, he he was not doing that earlier. Yeah. He wasn't comfortable. It was like he kind of regressed back to a freshman in high school or sophomore, where you're just talent only, and you don't really feel comfortable out there. You saw that comfort from Tyler Harrell who had not played a lot. And that's the thing. Once you see that progression late in the season, that's what gets you kind of excited. So now you're looking at Amari Huggins-Bruce, who got 16 catches, four touchdowns over the last four games of the season. Most of his production came then, and it's like, okay, maybe he's a guy that can step forward. But you still have to see it. you know. And if you had that established guy, and I, that's where I, that Tyler Harrell was the guy that they had to have come back. I think Jordan Watkins is a very good player. His potential, I think, is very good. I hope he does well at Ole Miss. But I just he he was not the guy that was gonna take them to the to 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 the next step. Being that not just your go to guy, but your playmaker go to guy, like a Des Fitzpatrick had been, where you can do a little bit of everything with him and he can really take the top off of defense, he can catch your intermediate stuff. I, I, I think Jordan Watkins could have maybe been that, but it, it wasn't the biggest loss. Tyler Harrell is a guy that you just can't teach four to forties. You know, that just doesn't happen. So Tyler Hudson, I think, is a guy that the staff seems to really love him. I, 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 I hate even just saying that out loud because we've been hearing that for years. The, the coaching staff always picks out a couple guys that are like, yeah, we really feel good about this guy. And it's like, man, I always think back to uh, – Scott Long. It's not even Scott Long. Yeah, Scott <laughs> Long was one of them, but it was a, there was another guy never ended up playing. And I was like, that guy was like a two-star recruit. What are we talking about? But it, it just it just you know they they always find a guy. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. He ends up so, they compared him to Harry Douglas. Yes, and he God, never. I plays. can't remember his name anymore. But I, I I'll never forget that. It's tainted me for any time I hear it. But you know we also heard that about Ashton Gelati last year. He turned out to play really well. Obviously, we heard some things about Amari Huggins Bruce. Not a lot, but a little bit. And he turned out to be a pretty you know solid backup. And then you know increased his role. We heard about Tyler Harrell last year. 
they didn't get him the ball enough, but when they did, he he you know put up big plays. He did what they said he can do, which is run really fast. So you know you kind of you, you know that's where my stubbornness comes in because I didn't see a lot out of Tyler Hudson. His highlights and whatnot are outstanding. I mean, I, I don't think the talent the talents there. I just think can it transfer to the to the Power Five level from FCS and can he be that big time playmaker because they need that passing game. The running games would be great. They got better running backs. You have Malik's legs. But you need he needs more guys around him to make plays because we talked about uh, we were, I was on the state state of Louisville guys and me and Cam T you know really sad to see him go yeah but we had a good conversation about Malik possibly being up for the Heisman next year and me and Cam said the same thing if Malik Cunningham is up for the Heisman the season did not go well he needs guys around him to take things off of him because if he's up for the Heisman he's running like he did last year and it just doesn't work because. Got teams learn how to take that away, and all of a sudden you don't have anybody else that can take that pressure off of them. So that's the worry about the wide receiver spot. I, I'm cautiously optimistic that I'm just wrong, but they do have some things. Devon Mortimer, if he shows up, if everything's going good there, that's a young guy that they can bring in there. So Amari Huggins-Bruce kind of overlooked, but all those other guys have to step up, and there's just a lot of potential and not a lot of known. Are you ready for this? Probably not. Javante Bagley. Yes! God, that's who it was. He reminds me a lot of a young Harry Douglas, oh, Petrino said God. of Bagley after Tuesday's practice. His lower body is not as strong <laughs> as it needs to be yet, but he's going to be fun to watch in the future because he's going to be really good. Oh, my God. Dude. The former Bowling Green commit <laughs> is turning heads during the opening practice of Louisville's fall camp. Oh, God. And he only came here because UofL assistant Terrell Buckley had recruited him during his previous stint at Akron. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> Never saw Javante Bagley pop off. Dude, I remember, when they, I remember seeing that and be like, no. No, there's no way. There's no way they found this diamond in the rough, which is, that was what, you know, fans love that stuff. Like, oh, Petrino can get two stars a tournament and four stars. It's like, why don't you just recruit the four stars? That that saves you a little bit of time. But it's like, no, that doesn't happen all the time. There's there's just, it's rare. And he just talked him up so much. I was like, there's no way. And then he never, I think he ended up with a couple catches. That's my partner, Reggie Bonifant, instead of Bagley on Tuesday. He's one of the main guys we have out there. He's doing a great job right now. We clicked as soon as we got here. He's been like my brother ever since. Oh, the, the famed Bonifant to Bagley connection through the air <laughs> did not wind up defining a new era of Louisville football, as we may have imagined back in, uh, what's that, August of 2014. Oh, man. Never came to fruition. Uh, Texter says, is it true that we're in on another quarterback transfer? Uh, General's younger brother, Major Booty, is making an unofficial visit this weekend. Is the word? Well, didn't he just commit? General Booty committed. But so, where Major is Major Booty really his name? Yeah, we, I, I I do know that. I have no clue about him visiting. I will say that. But yeah, there is a Major Booty. Um, <laughs> I can't tell if this yes. is a joke or not. Like I'm, I'm still like, wait, what? Major Booty? If there I'm is, I'm pretty a qu- sure there is a Major Booty. I remember this because that was a thing when General General Booty's been a thing for a while, but he went to JUCO and nobody really, not everybody knew about him. I swear to God, I Keith, thought I don't there think was Major two. Booty's real. Is it not? I, yeah, well, whatever. I can't keep up with them all, but I swear to God, I thought there was a Major. Well, Booty. I just I was like, actually, he's got a lot of Instagram followers. I clicked on it. Major the Major Booty Instagram account is not a football player. I just, <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Um, I, <laughs> I don't think Major Booty's – I think that was a joke text. Yeah, whatever. Now that I'm looking at it. I was very excited for a second. I'm like, well, if we've got – if we got a shot at Major Booty. Yeah, well, well, there you go. Yeah, but, well, the actual answer – or the question if they're recruiting another – when you said they're recruiting another guy, I was like, no, they're definitely not. They just got I'm, another kid. I am now but, following Major Booty on Instagram. Yeah, I like it. Whatever. <laughs> it's, uh, I could have sworn when – General Booty, when he was in high school, obviously – 
he has a recruiting po- profile, and people were like, and he was also really good at Allen, you know, the big, you know, high school powerhouse out in uh down in Texas. Uh-huh. I swear he had a, I swear he had a younger brother named Major. Never mind. Guess not. If he does. Please come play for us. Yeah, it'd be kind of fun. We'd love it. Uh, Texas says this could all bode well, very well for us on June, the June seventeenth weekend. It could. So, so June seventeenth is huge, and I, I, it's funny because they've had two big recruiting weekends. You obviously get Clarkson on one of them. You know, you get um, uh, Jeremiah Collins out of Mel. You get uh, Jaden Davis out of out of Georgia, um, and that that was that was huge. I think they're going to have a similar type of situation in in, in June. So they they have. You know, we we all saw Pierce Carson. You know, tweeted out on Saturday or Sunday, or whatever. Hey, just got a just got a guy up front with a pancake emoji. Blah blah blah. Flyville twenty three. So they apparently got to commit. Um, you know, a kid that's that's gonna announce then maybe. Um, I don't. Nobody knows who it is though. At least as far as I know, I don't think anybody knows who it is. Um, but I do know it's it's they they're looking at four guys. You've got. Madden Sanker, which most you know the diehard fans know, he's a four-star kid. Would be the highest-ranked kid in in the Louisville class. Um, he's out of Georgia. You've got uh, Jordan Church, who's a kid that plays at IMG down in Florida, a uh, three-star kid that's choosing between Louisville and Florida State and Tennessee and some other schools. Raymond Polito, who plays with Clarkson out in California, just picked up a Ole Miss offer. Uh, was offered by Oregon yesterday, and I th- he says he has an Alabama offer, but he hasn't announced it he's just said it in interviews so uh he's apparently gonna go visit Wait, alabama what's the between saying it and announcing it do you, like do you get to put it it's, it's putting it on social media and technically announcing it i think that's the is announcement this established right? now i think that's how you do it i feel just, like saying it in an interview is kind of announcing it uh, i don't know i mean you know it's, god recruiting it's, so weird. it's weird right it's so you know, weird every kid you know tweet if you're tweeting out your offers and you don't tweet out the one but you say you have it it seems a little weird I yeah you're right. Right? Do you have to do it though now? Like I mean, I wish that I wish this wasn't a thing. Like I I feel like I would be if I had ever been a big time recruit coming out of high. I feel like I would just screw with everybody. I'm like I'm not, not announcing any of this stuff. I'm, I'm gonna announce that I've got Eastern Michigan and then boom, I've got all these like big Power Five schools. I'm gonna commit to Bama. I don't know. I mean, maybe I don't know. I, I it's it's recruiting is weird. I wish I didn't have to keep up with it. I'm, that's not true. I actually enjoy keeping up with it because it's kind of fun. But I'm getting conflicting reports on General Booty, by the way. Whether General Booty's a thing? And uh, well, also Major Booty. I'm pretty sure. All right, whatever. The fourth kid is uh, Luke Burgess. So Luke okay. Burgess is from uh, from Indianapolis or right outside Indianapolis. Uh, one of those four guys is going to commit. Luke Burgess has been on campus like five times now. Uh, I think it's Luke Burgess. I have no reason to think that other than my own suspicions. But his recruitment's really quiet. He, he doesn't really he, – he doesn't do the, you know – he doesn't talk up his recruitment very much. He, does, he hadn't done a lot of interviews, My doesn't guy. tweet out a bunch of stuff, uh, hasn't been to a lot of camps. It almost feels like he's kind of shutting it down, which is kind of why maybe – part of why I think maybe. Um, but Polito is, is is taking visits after that 17th. Church is scheduled to take visits afterwards, and Madden Sanger is also scheduled to take visits afterwards. If that's the case, then I feel kind of – I don't know if they're going to commit on the 17th here and then also take those visits. Um, so that's the only reason why I think it. Burgess hasn't scheduled any other. Burgess technically he hasn't announced that he's going to be here on the seventeenth. Pierce Clarkson has said he is. So who knows if he if he's even coming? So it's all silly. I get to keep up with it. I act like I don't like it, but I actually do. It, look, it, 
I love the mystery player. Like it's fun. I mean, and then Pierce Clarkson even went so far to be like, "We got a hoops commit coming soon," yeah. and I'm like, right. everybody still is like, "Who's he talking about? Is, is it Imani Bates who apparently is coming here uh, in mid or says he's going to make an announcement in mid June that would sync up with all these players being on campus for the football recruit? Who knows? Who but knows, it, it's fun to space that. I mean, that radio show the day that Clarkson put that tweet out there. Like, we were going through the 2023 class and looking at, like, which players are from California. (laughs) And then uh, Trevor became convinced that it's Bronny James because LeBron's kid is out there. He's, like, a top uh, 30 kid from California. So, you know, what's really funny is that I read that, and I I, I remember seeing you tweet out that, you know, or either that or you put in the news notes that he has a – he was talking about the men's basketball team. And I went and I was like, was he? And I read it back and he's like, he didn't necessarily mean. He did say basketball. The, first, the next person he followed, number one women's basketball player in that class. But then the next interview, Ooh. he said men's team. So wow. I'm like, Jesus, man! Like I, I thought I had like a little scoop. I'm like, I think he's talking about the women's team. He's, you know, he's over here liking the women's coaches' tweets. He's over here following women's. Bet. I was like, you never know. And it's just, it's, it's the mystery, you know. But it's, yeah. it's, it's silly and stupid. But it gets me through my downtime. And it's May twentieth. Right what, now, what do you it's, want us to do? It's also exciting, you know. Like, it's, you know, let's be real. Recruiting being fun is is fun. It's it's much better than sitting back and be like, oh, they're gonna have a bunch of recruits in town, and be like, yeah, they're not gonna get any of those guys. Which has happened twice. They've had huge recruiting weekends, not just with Satterfield, also with Petrino, with four stars, big time talent, and you go back and it's like none of those guys ended up coming here, and it sucks. You know, now you've got guys coming in already committed, working on these other guys who are who, who would be the top guys they've ever gotten. Jonte Cook is supposed to be here, supposedly. That kid is one of the best receivers in the country, and he's and then you got DeAndre Moore also who yeah. might be better. I mean, it's just it's just very it's surreal, but at the same time it's it's it feels like uh feels like it's different. It feels different than it used to be, and that's the exciting part. And you know, like I said, it's 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 better. It's a lot better with this kind of feeling as opposed to kind of what we've been going through the last couple of years. I'm wrong so frequently on the show that it's hard to keep track of. But <laughs> the thing that I think I may have been the most wrong about in this this show's nine month run has been after the Air Force game. I, I looked at it, even honestly before it was after the Kentucky game. I said it's an unsalvageable off season. Yeah. You've got an off season where it doesn't really matter what you do. You can say all the right things. You can do whatever you want to do. Fans are pissed. They're going to stay pissed. There's going to be no excitement. You're going to get to the start of the season, and unless you win big early, mm-hmm. you're going to have crowds that are even worse than they were last year, and they weren't great last year. Yep. And lo and behold, like, I didn't foresee greatest recruiting class in the history of the football program being spearheaded by a California pipeline. Yeah. In the, like, wasn't on my radar at all, and yet here we have West Coast Sat just doing his thing, um, <laughs> City of Sat Town. He's like, this was this has just come out of completely left field. But you're right, like this is and this is not a positive thing to say, but it kind of feels like a positive th- thing to say. It's been the most five fun five months of the Satterfield era, I guess, since we you know were winning games in year one yeah. and, and kind of flirting with potentially being a I think we like a high bowl team at one point. Yeah. Like this has been the most positive aspect. Now it has to translate on the field, and it that's. Does. You know, that day of reckoning or, or day of whatever judgment is going to come in September. But for right now, it has been infinitely more fun than I ever could have imagined this offseason could have been. I remember when they had the, f- the first big recruiting weekend of Scott Satterfield's tenure uh, was really the first time Clarkson came by, or it was his second visit, but he brought the kids with him from California. They did the whole photo shoot in front of the, the, the cars and yeah. whatnot, and they they beat or they, they had a good game against Clemson, ended up losing, but they had a huge – Tons of talent. I mean, not just the California kids were here. They had four stars from Georgia, four stars from Florida, 
Um, but of course, Clarkson and, and his buddies got the, you know, the, the attention partially because of photo shooting, partially because he's, he's a quarterback. Well, I remember during that time, people were like, why, like, why should we even care? These kids are not coming here. And then you, you know, then Clarkson actually commits and it's like, well, he's not going to be able to get any, any of these other guys. Now people are like, there's no way they don't get DeAndre Moore. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my guys, I mean, believe me, I, if I, I we think, want Arch Manning, we can get <laughs> you know, Arch Manning. It's really like to see the to see the wind change, you know, like that. It's just been a lot of it's been fun to watch people actually have something positive to talk about. I 100% get not being sold until they get the wins because I'm not sold until they get the wins. Sure. You got to win the games, but at least having a little bit of positivity. The last year felt toxic. I mean, the, the entire season felt toxic. Just just people were livid about the way the state of the program. And I don't blame most people. <laughs> some some people went overboard, but I got it at least. You know, like this is just not it's not sustainable to to have this football program be where it was last year. Um and and recruiting is not just important for the program, it's how you get people through the offseason. You know, like and and the way recruiting is now is that you're getting kids that are kids are committing earlier. They're visiting earlier. There's a way. There's a possibility of utilizing recruiting in, in from a PR or you know engagement standpoint that you didn't have before. It used to be kids came and visited during the football season to get the feel of the atmosphere and all that stuff. That's just not a thing anymore. Kids want to visit during the summer because why not? And a lot of kids want to commit during the summer because then they don't have to worry about it during the season. And they, it feels like they're on the front foot of that change. And I think that's, that needs to be pointed out. They're already in on 2024 kids right now, just like they were on these guys. And I think they're, they're already getting visits. They've had a five-star on campus. Here's the other thing. The last two five-stars on Louisville's campus are 2024 guys. And those are some of the top players in the country. They're already in on those guys. There's that potential of saying, now you feel like, I mean, there's a chance. Right, I mean, well, I wouldn't have thought they'd be where they are now. Who knows if they can get Ryan Wingo from from St. Louis, not too far away, who has offers from everybody. You know, they've got one of Pierce's teammates out in California who's a twenty, who's a five star safety. Who knows? He's been here. Maybe he liked it. He likes to play baseball. Maybe Dave McConnell can say, "Hey, you just everything's on the table now." And it's just crazy that six months ago I would have been like, "No, there's no way they're gonna." They're, I, I didn't see it coming. I can't. I, I did, but. I do feel like they put in the legwork to get to where they are, and it just kind of makes you feel like they have the potential to keep this going. We now have Jermaine Lole tweeting out, y'all let me know where I can get a Peyton Siva jersey. I need that. I I mean, he is Samoan. Peyton Siva is of Samoan descent. Yes. I'm all in now. We need to make it happen. Love him. Did they they fly Siva in for his visit? I want want some crazy story like that, right? Is Peyton Siva fueling this West Coast surge? (laughs) Is is it Pete Thomas, Pete Nocta, Peyton Siva, the three Ps? (laughs) They're making this happen. I love it. A uh, quick update before we go to break from Jim Patterson. Louisville gives up two runs in the first inning, threatened in the home half of the inning, but they trail Virginia 2-0 out there after one at Jim Patterson Stadium. We'll keep you updated. Uh, we'll come back. We'll continue this discussion. We'll also talk a local murder-for-hire plot. Uh, we got to get into it. we got to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's coming up next here. The Mike Rutherford Show rolls on on 1450 The Big X. The world I love, the trains I hop to be part of the wave can't stop. Come and tell me when it's time to Sweetheart is bleeding in the snow cone So smart she's leading me to ozone Music so great
Welcome back in. Mike Rutherford Show rolls on here on a Friday on 1450 The Big X. Keith Wynn with me in studio here over in Jeffersonville, Indiana. We're going to be giving away our last set of passes to the Louder Than Life Bourbon Beyond as part of our Pick the Headliner contest that's going to go down. Uh, we, we, you know, I'm not going to tell you when we're going to do it. Might be five minutes from now. <laughs> Might be 5.15. Might be 5.45. You never know. You have to keep it locked in. Uh, we're going to get back to sports in just a second, but we've got to talk about this story that, that broke. I, I want to say it was about 2 p.m. today, maybe like 1, 1.30. A local pediatrician of some prominence, pretty yeah. well known, yeah. has been arrested by FBI agents for a alleged murder-for-hire plot in an attempt to have somebody kill her ex-husband. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie Russell, she has a practice out in Norton Commons. She's, I think, very well known in, in the city. A lot of people know her. A lot of people have connections with her. Keith, you know her. Yes, um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> her husband, uh, I think it's Ricky Crabtree. He's a higher up at, uh, oh, uh, oh my gosh, what is it? I, I had the company earlier. I don't have the Courier Journal story in front of me. He's a financial planner. He's, he's fairly well known. Um, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm Morgan Stanley. Thank you. There we go. Uh, he's a higher up at Morgan Stanley, kind of a bigwig. They had a, I guess, bad divorce a few years ago. They have two young children. The This is all based on the custody battle. He won it. She didn't. She thought something shady was going on. Mm. I think she thought that the attorneys were sort of working together or something along those lines. And I don't know how, like, this was the question I had with my friends, like, how would you even go about trying to find somebody to, to commit? Like, do you Google it? Like, clearly she did the wrong thing because she got, <laughs> she got caught fairly easily. So That's the part, yeah. She she reaches out, she attempted to hire somebody to kill her ex-husband. Uh, she agreed to pay a, a cost of $7,000 for the murder, and she said, I'll give you the, the first half up front, I'll give you the, the other half when the job's done. So, and my, my other buddies were like, well, did she, like, did she pay this in like crypto? Like, how did she hide? I'm like, oh no, 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 no. She put thirty five hundred dollars in a Dropbox outside of her medical office for this man to pick up. And uh, after that pickup was made, FBI agents had all the evidence they needed. She was arrested. She could serve potentially up to ten years in federal prison, which seems kind of I don't know light. I don't know, but mm-hmm. she she was arrested yesterday, May nineteenth. She'll be in custody now. Um, this all happened very quickly. She made contact with the undercover FBI agent on May 15th. The payment was made the 18th. She was arrested the 19th. That's how quickly it yeah. you, you can lose your life. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of questions here. The first thing that I thought, I, I'll be, if I'm being completely honest, I thought it would cost way more than $7,000 to hire somebody <laughs> to, to commit a murder. Well, I, I think it probably does, though. That's the thing. I mean, she technically only offered that to an FBI agent. I think anybody that's actually willing to do it, if you're actually doing this the right way, which who knows what that is, probably charge a little bit more than that. I would hope. There was a podcast I listened to about a murder for hire, like very similar situation. I can't remember the exact name of the podcast. It was down in Florida because, of course, it was. And it was a – this couple had this fantastic romance. Things fell apart. The wife – like she's never been arrested. The entire family of the the murdered husband suspects her. Mm-hmm. And the alleged cost, because they have people like testifying against her, like, yeah, she paid me to do this. It was. I remember thinking it was. It was more than seven thousand dollars, but I remember thinking it was like ten. Like it, it was relatively low. I would just assume because I don't have a whole lot of knowledge about the, the murder for hire underworld. <laughs> I would have assumed if you're going to have, if you're going to if, make somebody put their neck out there to commit an actual murder to kill somebody, a lot of risk involved. Yeah, I'm thinking six figures. I'm thinking you have to be of some from some significant wealth to make this happen. And if not, like you're risking just hiring some shady dude who's going to do a terrible job. I feel like this is the thing. 
when you hear about these that are actually like non FBI agents, because here's one thing. There are a lot of people get caught. It seems like a lot of people get caught by the FBI trying to hire somebody to murder their ex-spouse or their spouse. It seems to happen a lot. The other ones are when they actually, you know, the guy who, the person who carried it out gets caught. It's usually very low rent. Like that's, I, I feel like we yeah. romanticize it because right. of like movies and TV shows. It's like, yeah, there's like a literal hitman. Most of the hitmen are just some guy that they met at a local bar maybe and his buddy and they bungle it somehow and they get caught. And next thing you know, the person that hired them gets caught. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's never really as, as drama dramatic as it really seems. Even this, you know, it's like, hey, she, she reached out on Sunday and was in jail by Thursday. Kind of boring. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I, I think I didn't know that I haven't been able to read the whole story because I was on the way here. The custody thing, I did not know. And it makes me kind of question a lot of things now because she is my kid's pediatrician. She is. I was going to say it. I was going to say it. I tweeted it out. I pointed it out. Unbelievably nice lady. I never had a, not a, not a question in is my mind that this would be. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the world? It's just insane to me. But like, I, I, I now I'm sitting here. I'm like, okay, she lost custody of her children in a divorce. That's pretty. That's not too normal unless something's going on, and I, I, now it makes me worry of like, what does she have some kind of problem going on behind the scenes that I didn't know about? And she's been—it kind of sounds like you're siding with the the, the murder for hire person. It's just, no, I'm just—it's just weird. I'm I'm very like I just I have so many more questions than I did before I walked in here. <laughs> I think your first point is right. Like we all just sort of assume there's this like there there are these people who just have a specific set of skills. Yeah, right. You know. <laughs> I, you know, they were once the the number one killer in the army, and then something <laughs> happened, and now they just spend their days sitting in shady corners of bars, smoking cigarettes, and waiting for somebody <laughs> to casually approach them and be like, "You want to get back in the game?" <laughs> like, and those people don't really exist, no. like by and large. I, I would assume so. Like, I guess it's just movies. Most of the times that you do follow these these murder for hire plots, and typically it is a like nasty divorce, and some mm. woman reaches out or some man reaches out. It's just like, hey. <laughs> My buddy used to buy pot off this guy. He probably knows somebody who would be willing to do this. Exactly. I'm going to pay you know, Reginald 3500 bucks to make this happen, and then it gets botched, and the guy gets arrested. Yep. Or the murder happens, and it's very easy to trace it back to the <laughs> husband or the wife, and they get arrested. This one, I'd be willing to assume something like this happened. I, I don't know, but it's all... It's a bizarre as, as hell story, and uh-huh. I, I need more details. I want like, this is right up Dateline's alley. Yep. I'm sure they're going to be in town because, like you know, you mentioned your kids go there. Several people yeah. when I saw that story were like, <clears throat> "She was my kid's pediatrician for a year, or she's still my kid's pediatrician." I knew who she was. I've heard of her. I've had friends who have gone to her. Yeah. I mean, Norton Commons. Like she it's, came, she came recommended very highly to me 11 years ago. <laughs> she's got great reviews on Google. I know because I was trying to find more about the story today. <laughs> uh, their whole uh, like the, they've got a. They also have a case law out there for their back and forth over the custody battle that you can sh- sift through if you want to. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to be doing that. It's, look, <laughs> I'm super interested in that. A lot of layers here. <laughs> it's very interesting. I'm glad nobody actually ended up being killed. That's that that's terrific. But, whew. Um, Texas, come on. This lady has... I can't say it. I, I, can't, I can't say what you said. Uh, Texas says, why do you value... Why are you value shopping a murderer... Dumb bleep. Um, did not use the word that you're thinking you're using. 
Texas, speaking of murder for hire, Duplex with Ben Stiller and Drew Barrymore is an incredibly underrated movie. Is that Trevor texting in? <laughs> That's absolutely a Trevor drop in. Right I've there. never never heard of it. Uh, Texas, does the pediatrician commit legal infractions bad enough to be a future hiring candidate for UofL's athletic department? <laughs> I'm not a UK fan. I'm just trying to heal recent sporting wounds with humor. There you go. That's, That's fair. That's good. Uh, Texas, did she not watch Horrible Bosses? No. That was what was Has that to be was 10K was minimum. Uh, <laughs> man. Uh, me and my buddies were texting about it and somebody was like this is horrible bosses i was like yeah pretty much the other weird thing is i mean let's say you know if the if the maximum prison sentence in in a federal prison is 10 years she's probably not going to wind up serving that because usually most people don't serve maximum sentences right she's i think 52 according to the 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 story that's out there she could be back on, on the streets like in time to be a part of her kids' lives moving forward. Like, she's going to have to coexist, probably, yeah. with this ex-husband who everybody in the world knows she tried to have killed. Yeah, yeah. In some way, shape, or form, you, you, yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. I, I mean, that's, that's, that is one part that I will say. When we, when we first started going to her, I don't, I'm pretty sure she didn't have children. I'm pretty sure she... They're young. Yeah, all, which, so, which is just all. And I remember talking through that with her, you know, when we were preparing um, for, for Olivia, my oldest, and it just, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, I thought I was like, well, working with kids without kids is just something that I just didn't expect. Not, I didn't think it was weird. It was just, I was kind of caught off guard by it. But then I didn't see her again really all that often until Patrick, my, my oldest son, was born, my only son. Uh, and, you know, she had said that she has kids now and whatnot. And I'm pretty sure that she'd already gone through the divorce because, and I, I just didn't really put two together. I was just, well, figure out, oh, well, she's maybe just a single mom. And, Chose to go that route because I didn't know she was married at all, and I, it's just I, I've been I can't help but just sit here and think through like the aspect of it for me is just knowing that I've known this woman for this many years. Between myself and my wife, especially my kids have had COVID. They've had a couple other issues they've gone through. Um, we've had some some things with my oldest. We've been in her office a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> the last year. I've seen her a lot the last year, and all I can think about is like man, this whole time she's just like. Just looking out there, just just thinking about it. Just, just thinking about, you know. It's got to go. Got to kill this dude. It's, it's very weird. It also does raise into, like, if I wanted to have somebody killed, <laughs> I have no idea what the first step was. Because somebody said, like, what do you even do? And I, I thought, I mean, like, Reddit? Is, is Reddit a good place <laughs> to go? Like, like, I know there's a dark web out there. People yeah, talk about yeah, it all the time. Yeah. I've got no idea how to access it. I'm pretty sure if you Google how to access the dark web, you set off a myriad of <laughs> flags out there. Like it has to just I mean, kind of be like friend of a friend of a friend. And I don't know how you approach that conversation. I mean, realistically, there are some really bad uh, sites out there on the internet that plenty of awful people, you know, get into it's worse than Reddit. You know what I mean? But even those Our sites, conference. I feel like you're going to get into like, somebody's going to be like, I don't know, man, this is kind of weird. Like, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't normally, it's all, I think it's the fact that you're going to be accessing something you're not normally, you, you know, utilizing and you're gonna set off some flags of like this is yeah this 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 is more serious than the dude that's always on here talking about how he wants to kill his boss. Look, Walter White was a rare case. You can't just dive into these waters <laughs> yeah, <right>. seamlessly. <laughs> it, it, it's a tough it's a tough business to break into. <laughs> and I don't know what my first step would be. I don't know how this happens. I don't know how this works. And also, you run the risk of like if you ask the wrong person, like they're like, okay, well, I'm going to the cops. Like yeah, exactly. Mike Rutherford's <laughs> trying to have somebody killed. Just ask me about it. It's like, yeah, this seems weird. A little out of character for he this guy. He acts so, like uh... he was joking. He definitely wasn't. He has no idea what he's doing. He's going to bungle this thing. Yeah. Um, so 
that happen. I, I do, <laughs> in all seriousness, like, it, it sucks for the kids. I hate yeah, that there's small kids involved because they're going to grow up the rest of their lives. And they're going to know about this. Yeah. It's, I, you have to hope that the dad is a very, very good dad mm-hmm. who's going to be able to handle this the right way and has a strong support system because oof, that yeah, is... that's the definitely off with bar about it. And, you know, like I said, it's just, it's it's still just, it's still crazy, you know, and, and while she was, she was good at her job. That's the part that's so crazy to me is that you just don't expect people that can carry on a good, normal life to also be crazy at the same time, but she's uh Would you be positive. willing to sit down for a Dateline interview if they come calling? <laughs> I am pretty good about, you know, I'm pretty bad, good about doing interviews, man. They, they interviewed me for, uh, the guys at WDRB for uh, 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 Riverlink when uh, <laughs> I was rage-tweeting about it, and I get a DM from Marcus Green and Travis Rastel. Like, Did you people want to go hey, on record? Go to an interview? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Texture, oh, on the same lines. Texture says, Keith's first IMBD credit will either be on Deadline or an actor playing him in a Lifetime movie. Uh, Texas says some of Keith's co-pays are in that 7K, LOL. Uh, Texas says, what about a Craigslist ad? I mean... I feel like that's a little out in the open. Uh, but honestly, I could see that being the route that she took. Something had to be really... She had to take a very bad route to get to the point where the FBI, in a day, was like, yeah, we're, yeah we can do this, and then she's in jail by Thursday. It had to have quite literally been... like They had to have set up some sites online just like the biggest rat traps of all time just like if, if somebody searches how to find how to find a, a hitman it'll take you down like three different webs like right to our site like this is what we're going to set up just to try to get it's like to catch a predator yeah like the dumbest people in the world we're just gonna just chat with them like we're 13 year old boys and just, and just walk be like, right hey, in the door hey. and then just just she technically walked right in the door she put the money in the drop box outside her office it's yeah, it's about as bad as Catch Predator. Probably the best part. Like yeah. that, that, that to me, like didn't moment. try to hide it. Nothing. No, like I'll you know we'll wire this through some sort of Swiss bank account. Like no, it's it's going to be outside my office. <laughs> uh, Texture says no surprise. Norton Commons is the Truman Show. Um, <laughs> People some, have feelings about Norton Commons. Somebody online was like prospects the new Dixie Highway earlier. I was like, come on, <laughs> don't slander both parts of the city. Come on. Texas, honestly, that may be the worst part. Rumors of the father, I, well, I'm not going to spread those rumors. Um, well, if those rumors are true, then that, that's that's awful, too. It, it, look, there's no good situation yeah. here. It's, it's awful any way you slice it. Uh, Texas, oh, hard left turn here. I'm so tired of hearing that the 3-4 defense is the issue and we need to switch to 4-3. Many of the top defenses in college football are 3-4, Wisconsin, Georgia, Bama, et cetera. It's the defensive coordinator. Your thoughts. Can you win with a 3-4 or is it the four three, or is it Brian Brown, or are we going to be really good this year? Who knows? I mean, I, I think that nobody like. I don't know. I, I I feel like sometimes I come off defensive for, for overly defensive of Brian Brown and the job he's done. Um, last year was just bad, and and you know, but I, it's it. I think I pointed this out in another post. I, I wrote a lot recently, so forgive me. But I think in the in the early, way too early depth chart for the defense, I pointed out. The numbers are about the same year to year. Um, so, you know, it's hard to really be like, okay, what was really the issue? Um, I think timing was bad. I think they had some good games last year, some awful games, obviously. Um, but I think two years ago they showed that they can win. They can do. They can play well with this defensive style. I, you know, but I do think there's a reason why they brought in a, an experienced veteran co-defensive coordinator. You know, you you need somebody that can truly help change some of the things that they've been doing to improve it. Um, And they've done some of those things without changing the scheme. 
you know, little things that I know nobody cares about, but the way they do their meetings and the way they do film and stuff like that, that stuff matters. I know nobody cares that it matters, but it matters. Uh, no different than Satterfield bringing in Lance Taylor to truly organize his offense, and he's made that clear that that's, that's his main goal is to have a guy come in, help with meetings, help with how they run their things. Um, and, and I think that stuff gets overlooked, and I understand it's not sexy and fun, but the 3-4 three, three, is what, yeah, everybody runs a 3-4 or 3-3-5. Three, three, There's just not that many teams running a four-man front anymore um, because the game is too spread out. So it's not the ski, it's not the, the system. Uh, the system has worked. Brian Brown's defensive system historically from the other people that have run it that he learned it from has been very, very good and very, very successful. So that's kind of where a little bit of my defense, where I feel like that, that, that it can work, is that it's, it's worked other places. It worked for them in App State. He ran the, you know, even though he didn't call the plays the year before, same system, same scheme. Uh, so yeah, it, part of it does come on him. It's like, well, it's not you're the you're the common denominator here. Um, but it, it it worked pretty well in year two, um, year three. Like I said, the numbers weren't very much different than year two. Um, that's where the bodies. The, the 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 influx of talent, the depth, that's where, like I said, you can't really make any of those excuses anymore. Um, so I think there's a potential for them to be good. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> like I'm not going to I'm not going to drive it home like I did last summer. And I was like, yeah, this defense is going to be really good. They're going to be good. And they should be good. But you should know, they have the pieces now. Um, I just I just I don't know. I don't people people kill coaches all the time. If two years ago people were tweeting me talking about Brian Brown should be the coach, the head coach, when sat you know you know toyed with South Carolina, they should just make Brian Brown the head coach, and I'm like, okay, that's silly. But I was like, it's good to see that people aren't killing him anymore. And then this year he's the goat again. So I, it just it's one of those things where it kind of ebbs and flows. He's got to prove it. I think that if Satterfield and his entire staff this year are on notice, you don't have a good season. You're probably the entire staff's gone. But I do think there is this potential, and I, this is where I, I – I guess the way I'd put it. If they have a solid season, they win seven games, and the defense is an issue, Brian Brown's not going to be here next year. Yeah, There's sure. not even a question. So I think that's where the changes have to work. The talent influx has the, has the show that, hey, this is part of the, risk, the issue. Because, the issue. yeah, they, they, they had – the defense was absolutely atrocious that they took over. They just haven't done well enough of – doing part of their job, which is recruiting better players to play on their defense. They're still, up until, what, last year, the year before, they're still playing guys that they inherited, which means that you haven't got enough talent in there, and especially with the transfer portal, they should have addressed it. They haven't. They're doing it now. Now you got to show that it's not your fault, that you just needed more talent. Simple as that. All right, before we go to break, 30-second Preakness preview. It's going to be 97 degrees in Baltimore tomorrow. Hottest Preakness of all time. It's not really close. Keith, how many Preakness horses do you think you can name? Zero. Not, not one? Not one. Uh, Zero. Literally, literally, nothing. Do you think this is a horse that's in the early voting? Do you think that's a horse in the Preakness? Or did I just make that up? I think you made that up. It's a horse in the Preakness. All right. Well, there you go. Early voting, 7-2. to two. It's yeah. actually the second choice right now. Probably said. Only thing that I'm excited about with the Preakness, Epicenter versus Secret Oath. Let's see if the uh, the Oaks winner can run with the big boys. She had a rough trip in the Arkansas Derby, but we'll find out. Epicenter probably you, rolls. You could have made all that up right there. 30-second preview, <laughs> done. We'll go to break. We'll come back. 5 o'clock hour next. We're going to give away these passes to Louder Than Life and Bourbon and Beyond. We'll talk more football. We'll celebrate Jalen. Uh, <laughs> 
We'll celebrate the low-lay commitment again. Oh, my gosh. We'll, we'll be better. Five o'clock hours coming up next. Mike Rutherford Show. Like I did that day. Take me to the place I love. Take me all the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that Five o'clock hour starts now. It's the Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show in 1450 The Big X. Hope your weekend is off to a fantastic start. You're headed home from work and spending some time with us here. We'll be here until 6 o'clock. Getting you excited about all the things going on in the world of Cardinal Sports. The big thing today, and it happened uh, during the first segment, I think Keith Wynn uh, is still aroused. He was very excited <laughs> when it happened. Jermaine Lole, the defensive lineman from Arizona State, has committed to Louisville football. I also have seen Arizona State fans big mad. Big mad on on Twitter. Yeah, out of USC fans as well because they all. I think some USC fans they just assumed he was coming there because you know Lincoln Riley's been killing the portal from LA, uh, and he you know he's from LA. But yeah, I I, I man I, I like from a football standpoint, just of just on the field. Obviously, you know I've written about this kid more than probably any other recruit ever. I think I've written three times about him now. Um, you know he's getting get all the hype. I think from from all the local recruiting folks, which is great to see. You know, because people know, people know. I mean, it's it's this this guy's an NFL talent, and I can't stress enough. Louisville's issues on the field have been the lack of talent. I mean, it's been it's been maybe overlooked. I think some people feel that some of the players that have played well are maybe a little bit better than than we think they are. Um, but Louisville went last year without a draft pick. You know, well, you, you had Des and two 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 years ago. I think the year before that, they didn't have a draft pick. They just haven't recruited or developed talent to the to the level they need to. Adding an NFL caliber player is you know can't be a you know overstated. So I think that's important. But I think the other aspect, Louisville in the transfer portal right now, they have a top fifteen class in the transfer portal on the rankings. Um, went into this class knowing they were going to have to mine the transfer portal to help fill in some gaps to add some veterans to their to their team. Had some curveballs thrown at them, obviously with guys leaving that they didn't expect. Had to regroup and 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 readjust to that, and with doing that, they've shown to me at least that they have a they have the ability to utilize the transfer portal going forward to supplement their high school recruiting, and to me that is the name of the game. That's the change in college football. That if your if your football staff cannot do that, your basketball staff as well. If you can't utilize the transfer portal well, you're going to be behind and. It's funny because I think the worst team with this is Clemson. I mean, they just refuse to, to utilize the transfer portal. Look, I've already announced it, Keith. It's, it, it's <laughs> over. In the Clemson era of dominance or Clemson era of national championship pursuits, it's over. It's, it's done. They're going to be fine. They're going to be okay. But it's it, it's done. It's, it's done. extremely weird to me that it's just like they're not just like, no, we're not doing that. Well, good luck. Uh, if, if, it's not me. It's the kids who are out of touch. It's, it's, and the Devo's response, like, he's not willing to, like, lower himself to get into the NIL game or take transfers, but he has no problem sitting on a 17-year-old's lap for a picture. Yeah. Like, Jesus. Where's the line, Dabs? Oh, man. I, it's funny. Call him Dabs I, now. I, I think I had, like, scrubbed that from my memory. So I saw it when it, I saw when it happened. It was funny. 
Aaron Hodges is like the the old you know U of O recruiting coordinator, like kind of subtweeted it, you know, you know, like sitting on the kid's lap, and I'm like, what is he talking about? I haven't seen anything. And like a couple hours later, <laughs> I saw it, and I was like, oh, this is bad. It was this, bad. It's, it's worse than Brian Kelly to me. The look on his face too. It's oh, just it's like just, it was terrible. It's very but, much half a seat over there. You know, like I said, I think that that Louisville being able to show that um, we talked about NIL, obviously, it seems like they're, they're that's that's going well for him. That that is working out for him with Lole just transparently, you know, telling the world when he left Arizona State that he wanted a good NIL deal. Um, and you know, I don't know. If, I won't say that Louisville presented him anything, but they had to at least give him, hey, here's what our guys are doing. Here's some of the things that, that our guys are utilizing. Uh, we obviously have NIL. They have people on campus that work NIL that I'm sure he met with and talked to. Um, the only the only player he followed was Malik Cunningham, uh, which kind of shows you probably he they, they're utilizing Malik in the transfer portal to talk to kids about NIL. I saw Monty Montgomery, too. He Monty was following him, too. Well. I think he was the only other one. But the other thing that I've noticed is kind of funny. Following, keep up with Twitter. Twitter sleuthing is a pretty good way to keep up with recruiting. Malik is following. You can tell who who they're looking at in the portal because Malik can talk NIL with with transfer guys. Mm-hmm. The coaches, you know, are not going to do that, which is good. Doing it the right way. Malik can talk as much as he wants, and if he's following guys that they're looking at the transfer portal, it's pretty obvious that that's kind of part of that. Is hey, let's let's talk about what you can get when you get here because Malik is their NIL, you know, captain so to speak. So. You know, there, there, there's that aspect, but I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed with what they did in the transfer portal. Um, I'm in the middle of writing this post on a transfer trade-off post, essentially going one for one. Like, who do they lose? Who are they adding? And on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, it's just it's a no-brainer. They've gotten better there. Um, I think they, they got better at the running back spot, obviously. You know, you bring in Tyon Evans, you lose Hassan Hall and Aiden Robbins. I'll take that trade-off. You know, the wide receiver, you've got to find a way to, to replace Tyler Harrell. That's the next thing to look for. They're they're gonna go out there and find a receiver. Uh, I do know that. I think that they're taking their time with that. They're maybe gonna play a long game. Maybe even look at fall camp when you can still bring in guys, which we saw with uh, Keitro Clark a couple years ago. Uh-huh. So they still got a little work to do. But you, I can't say enough about them being able to go out there and start getting guys that can come in and play for you. No more just relying on G five guys, relying on FCS guys. Get the best of the guys at that level, which I think Nicario Harper and Tyler Tyler Hudson, both All-Americans at the FCS level. You can at least get those guys to come in and play well for you. But then you also get Momo Sanogo, who played at a high level in the SEC. Tyon Evans, who played at a high level in the SEC. Quincy Riley, even though he's a G5 guy, showed that he can play at a high level uh, from, a, from a production standpoint. Jarvis Brownlee, I mean, it kind of the list goes on. And then you finish it out with a guy that everybody wanted, you know, when you look at the defensive tackles from a ranking standpoint in the portal, Jermaine Lole was second or third in every across the board. You can't get much better, and I take him first personally. So being able to go out and get that for such a key need, just love to see it. The, the other things that we've talked about today, um, another piece of breaking news that happened during the show, much less significant, but still significant nonetheless. Louisville basketball is going to take on Oklahoma State in the Armed Forces Classic, and we had a text uh, in the second hour about the rest of the non-conference schedule. I think that you're kind of, we're, we're going to find out maybe one or two more significant games of somewhat note, but like the big, big hitters, the heavy hitters are, we, we know about them at this point yeah. because you can only fill out 12 or 13 games. We're going to the Maui Invitational to play three games. It is a loaded field. It doesn't matter if you go three and zero or zero and three, you're going to play three really good teams in that tournament. So we know we're playing three games there, 
you've got the Big Ten opponent for the challenge game. Where now we know we're playing Oklahoma State in an Armed Forces Classic game. My guess is that's going to be the first game of the season. I think that's typically how this has worked. You've got Kentucky. That's six games. You're going to play Bellarmine this year because yeah. of the deal with the volleyball. You've got Western back on the schedule. That's eight. There's not a whole lot of room left yeah. for a, a lot of nobodies there. And then there's still kind of this, this weird up-in-the-air thing where the original contract between Louisville and DePaul was scheduled for a home-and-home, home and it was late in the game. Trust me, I'm, I'm fine with not going them and playing them up there after last year. I, I, my medicine was served 15 times over, although they're not going to be good next year, but whatever. Uh, if that game's on the schedule, that's nine. You've only got three spots out there left. You're assuming you're going to fill those with bye games. You, you'll get the the standard Fairleigh Dickinson's and, and, and yeah. Jacksonville State's and, and those teams coming to the, the Yum Center. Like that's like, we pretty much know the big nuts and bolts of this non-conference schedule, and it's a it's a it's a very good one. It's, yeah. a, it's a tough one. Hopefully, we can add some players of significance here because um, this team is going to be tested before they get into ACC play. And the ACC, I know some people think it's going to be down. It's still going to be one of the best conferences in the country. Carolina is going to be very good. Virginia should be good. Duke's going to have a massive amount of talent. We'll see if John Shire can coach. Miami now is. Drop the bag for a number of talented players. They're going to be good. Um, it's going to be a tough slate. So excited about the schedule. You can't say it's not going to be fun to start off the season. You're going to have games of note pretty much every week. I think, you know, the fall in general is going to be fun. Oh, yeah. I think it's it's going to be at least interesting and exciting. Uh, can't say it's fun until we see uh, the games turn out. November is loaded. Yeah. Yeah. Going into it, though, it's going to be it's, – it's, it's more – it's good to have some feeling of, okay, there's something to be excited about. As opposed to going in both seasons, I felt like last year, and maybe basketball was wrong, but they, I just didn't get as excited about the newcomers as maybe some others did, I guess. I, I wanted more star power maybe or the feeling of just, hey, we're changing so much on, on the basketball court. It was still more of an unknown as opposed to a, as an excited. It was a roster that didn't make sense. Yeah. It never made sense. And this this year, there's unknown, but I'm still excited about the unknown as opposed to I don't have a clue whether or not – this kid can play or whether this will work or who's who's going to be the guy. I don't care who's going to be the guy this year. I just I I'm just kind of excited that hey, we've got something fun to look forward to. A coach that seems to be getting buy-in from his players, which was painfully obvious not the case last year. Yeah. And you know, and it's and it almost feels like the other aspect that I I, I for me at least I still give thanks to Mike Pegues for for kind of taking over and making you feel good about the program at least a little for bit. Sure. Like, hey, the kids seem to be more engaged and having fun. They seem to be playing harder. And this guy gets up in front of a microphone and just owns it and 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 says it like it is. And it was kind of like, all right, this is at least interesting and, and engaging. And I feel like that's bleeding into what Kenny Payne is bringing, which is natural excitement. It's just kind of, I don't know, it's just good. I, I'll, I'm taking – the last everything that's been happening recently has been pretty good, and I'm I'm just gonna ride the wave until whenever it's not good, which hopefully is not gonna happen anytime soon. But it's just good to have something positive for a while across the board. No question. And you mentioned, I mean, November, the women's basketball team they're gonna play in some early season tournaments that I think will be a lot of fun. The men's basketball season is set to kick off on November eighth. Louisville might play Oklahoma State that night. If they don't, I'm guessing it will be one of the two nights after that. That weekend, November 12th, you're at Clemson in football, NC State the next weekend. And then Thanksgiving week, you've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in Maui, and then Saturday against Kentucky, which hopefully will be a game we can get excited about and potentially win. That'd be nice. It, it's a lot of challenging things. It's going to be a challenging month, but best case scenario, it's a month that's fun as hell. Yeah. I'm excited and, just talking about it. Yeah. Um, 
update things that are not as fun as that. Yeah, gonna... <laughs> Jim Patterson Stadium, things are not going well. I was gonna say, yeah, we have an all systems failure failure for the Cards. Uh, they trail seven to nothing against Virginia in the third inning. They just gave up a three run home run, and then uh, multiple errors have led to two more runs after that. It has been a it was a rough day for Carter Loman on the mound. Uh, he's been yanked. It is it's not going well. Not Glad great. they won at one a.m. last night. I think you actually said this earlier. You said hopefully they don't. Give up a touchdown. It's what so, we've been doing. Yeah. I mean, I will say this: like, don't just turn off the game now. Like, it's yeah, on the no. ACC network. If you're if you have it on in the background while you're listening to the Mike Rutherford show, <laughs> keep watching. We have had this happen before, where we have battled back. Now, Virginia staff, the difference between them and us, because we both have fantastic offenses, their starting pitching has been much much better. Yeah. Um, Jared Pollen was fantastic for us last night. But the other two starters, and if you want to look at it midweek, three starters have not been great. Nobody else has really stepped up. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll keep it locked. If you want to text in, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Let's take some of the text that we didn't get to in the last hour before we we have to go to break here. Um, Texture says, is make big plays the football equivalent of you've got to make shots? I think it is. It is. You look for guys. Yeah. Make, it's, it really is. It's, it sounds Make a play. You need guys to make those plays. Or you're like the exciting, exciting plays, interceptions, strip sacks, sacks in general, tackles for loss. They need more of that, and they just haven't had enough. I do. It's my favorite thing. Like the coaches scream. Like some. Like when you're growing up playing. Like somebody make a play. Yeah. I'm like, well, <laughs> try. <laughs> Technically, they're all plays. Just some I'm of them are good. What is it? What is the uh, uh, CJ McCollum? I'm trying, Jennifer. I'm trying. I'm trying, <laughs> Jennifer. Damn. Uh, yeah. Win a playoff game. Texas, the football team seems to have more talent, more experience, and better coaching than last year. That's why I feel like, at minimum, they should match their win total and could easily win eight to nine games if everything comes together. I don't think that's an absurd text. I know it's, it's not. I'm not saying it, but it's not absurd. I know. It, <laughs> it sounds like stuff that we were saying last year, and yeah. then we look stupid when the team was six or seven. But, Keith, I don't know if you've heard this. If we made four or five more plays, <laughs> could have easily been eight and four, nine and three. Yeah, and it's it's funny because I have gone, I've started to go back and watch some of the games from last year, and because I'm doing this transfer post, and I'm trying to get some clips of whatever. You'll see it when it comes out. But going back and watching it, it's like God, I hate, I hate that he's not wrong because I got tired of it. I and if I and if I'm getting tired of hearing it when I when I'm watching the games as intensely and watching them again and breaking down tape, and I'm like, dude, just stop saying it. It's getting old. But you watch it and it's like Jesus. Why? Why wouldn't? Why did you do that? I mean, you look at the Virginia game and Hassan Hall is running freely in the open field, and doesn't look to his left. He happens to look to his right, and the guy from his left tackles him by the shoelace. They would have gone up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Instead, they don't score. Yeah. They miss a field goal, and then Virginia wins. I mean, you, you can't like those are the types of things that it's like, yeah, that's that's literally the play. When he's talking about one or two plays, it's like, well, a touchdown there would have changed the way the, the dynamics of the game. I mean that that, that you know. The thing that have... I always forget about the Virginia game too. I don't know if you forget about this like me, because I was so mad at the way the fourth quarter played out. We had a makeable kick to win the game, yep. and James Turner, who had been reliable like, up until that game, like yep. that's when it all kind of fell that, apart for him. He had made he made a kick earlier in the game too. And and I and I hate to say this because it goes against everything I've been saying this week, which is that like if you don't make plays to win games, like eventually after it keeps happening to a certain at a certain length, it's just who you are. Yep. It's not like a law of averages thing. Yep. If if a kicker who had been before that day incredibly reliable inside of 50 makes a kick inside of 50 and if the clock operator at wake forest isn't a bastard homer <laughs> that's two wins right there yeah and we're eight and four and even though let's say you still get blown out by uk you still get stopped at the goal line against clemson you still don't take advantage enough against nc state when you're winning the game offensively all that's, that stuff still yeah. plays out let's say even you lose to air force but with them somehow finding it passing offense yeah 
it's an eight and five season and you have all this recruiting stuff going on. People are in an entirely different place mentally. I'm in an entirely different place yeah. mentally. And maybe that seems silly. It no, no, is, no, no. That's because that's, that's the thing. For me, I'm kind of there because even you know, even though they lost the games, I've talked myself into the fact that yeah, they really were that close. And part of that is, like I said, the emotion kind of comes out of it for me in general. Most of the time, I'm not as emotional, emotionally attached as most. But also, you go when you rewatch games like I do, which is part of you know what I do for the site. You really do watch it with a analytical, more like with no emotion at all, other than yeah. this is maddening. You know, like why would you like why do that? Or man, if that guy just happens to not you know keep his foot, his toe in bounds, or whatever it may be. You can't help but sit back and be like, God, this is really – it's a game of inches, as they say. And it sounds so so corny, but I think they had four four of their losses last year or by combined 13 points. You can't you can't ignore it. That's that's you where can't. that's where I kind of come come in. That's not that's not a that's not BS. It is truthfully like, well, yeah, that's the way it goes. You you look at Nebraska, people are like, Yeah, I can see Nebraska flipping this year. And I'm like, how? And you look at their their season, it's like, Jesus, they probably should have won some of these games. And maybe they have things going. They're looking at the transfer portal, and then you—that's where you start looking at the positive aspects of like, okay, they're they're adding guys in the portal. They have a couple freshmen like a Pi Williams who can come in and probably play, and maybe an impact freshman, a Devon Mortimer, maybe an impact freshman. It's like, okay, well, maybe they have some pieces that can get them over the hump. Because when you play those close games, you can't help but get that feeling of, man, if they can, what if they just get just a little bit to get over that hump of just a one guy or two guys. When you can start counting on two hands of man, they've got some real additions to this team that are not taking they're not taking a lot away from it. You know, you lose a CJ Avery, you bring in a Momo Sonogo. There's maybe a little bit of a wash there. Outside of that, I don't know that they lost anything that is like, "Oh my god, what are we going to do to replace that guy?" I think only speaking for myself, all of this would be a lot easier to like take in and I'm not even saying it's spin but like to 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 say this is why this happened last year and this is why it's not going to happen again if we hadn't had the COVID season that we did yeah yeah where you're picked to finish fourth in the ACC going in you go three and seven in conference play and a lot of the talk after that season is very similar to a lot of the talk after this season yeah. you know we were, we were just this close or we had mm-hmm. you know COVID affected us we lost this guy then we had this injury we had that injury and it just seems like if we had had the season or close to the season that we expected to have that year even with it being a bizarro season because of, of COVID and all that stuff if that team had won eight games seven games even and then we had this season like all of the well one play away two plays away that's play away like all this stuff mm-hmm. I think more people would be willing to say, okay, yeah, like yeah. we should be better. I think the other thing too is now you look at the at Satterfield's first season, which was a success. You go eight and five. You went, you were picked, I think, near the bottom of the Atlantic Division, if not at the bottom. And you also look at it and say, well, they won a lot of close games that year. Yep. Maybe the solution is not being in so many close games if possible. <laughs> exactly. Maybe let's beat some of these teams by ten or fourteen and yeah. just you know take all chance out of it late in the fourth quarter. And it was. It was the fact that so many of those close games happened when it seemed like we were in control entering the fourth quarter that yep. I think rubs so many people the wrong oh, way. It rubs me the wrong rightfully way. Rightfully so. And I mean, when you know the NC State game, when we just we did not capitalize, and everybody knew it, and I hated everybody that game. said it, and we because we all saw it coming. Yeah, like yeah. nobody, there was no Louisville fan out there as much unless you were just lying to yourself, mm-hmm. who wasn't thinking at least somewhere in the back of their your subconscious. I know how the story ends. Yeah. 
and it, it played out exactly the way that we thought it was going to. Like, I think that stuff sticks with people, yeah. and it, it makes it harder to be like, this year's going to be different. And it's funny because the NC State game is a game that, that to me, defined the season. Um, and, and, and what I mean by that is that Louisville, Louisville, for two straight years, has played awful complimentary football. You're either getting a good offensive performance or a good defensive performance. And their defensive performances have been worse more often than not. But that NC State game, they went up against a, an NC State offense that had played really well. Mm-hmm. And the and NC State's defense was down multiple players. And I went into that game like, if the defense can do anything to stop this offense that's not unbelievably talented but had been really efficient, the defense had, I think, eight straight three and outs in the first half. And the offense could not do anything. And I was just watching this game like, they're, they're going to lose this game. It was so frustrating. And it's going to be because they can't put two sides of the ball together. And I think that's where – that's that's it sounds, over, it sounds like it's an oversimplification. That's it. That's the whole thing with, their, with the team for the last two years. Year one, they were able to outscore a lot of people, but they weren't really – their numbers are, are the same every year. On offensive defense, they haven't really gotten better or worse – They've just won some games in year one, but it's to your point. They're always these close games. Yeah. You've got to be able to put it together on both sides of the ball, and that's this is where the two things that I think they've improved on, on offense and de- one, one on offense and one on defense, and this is why I think the loss of Tyler Harrell is so big. They need to score on big plays. Last year we saw it with Tyler Harrell. We saw a couple with Jordan Watkins. We saw – the offense with Malik Cunningham plenty of times had some big runs. They couldn't do it with the running backs. The running backs cannot break big runs all season. Well, you got Tyon Evans now. You got Cooley back for year two. You've got a stable, and I think their blocking will be improved. I think the offensive line is the, the, the hidden hidden gem of the offense. Keith, I'm telling you right now, Tyon Evans is winning the Heisman. I'm so excited about Tyon Evans. I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I went back and watched his highlights again, and I'm like, He's so good. And I'm like, you know what? There's not, there's not as many highlights as I remember, but I'm like, they're still really nice. So good. They're so nice. On the defensive side of the ball, you you've added more playmakers, and I and I know that that sound like you said it's like it's like the shooters. And I get it, but the way your defense impacts a game is by taking the ball away from the other team. Everybody knows that that's how the best teams in the country do it that way. It's just getting stops. It's no different than basketball. Got to get stops. Got to get stops. Get the ball on the other other end and let the offense score. It's no different on defense. What they failed last year is letting teams sustain drives. It's not even the big plays that were the big thing to me. It was the sustained drives where you're just you know what's coming, right? They get past the fifty and it's like, all right, well the touchdown's coming. It just matters. This is a matter of when now. They need guys that can take the ball away, get after the quarterback, and actually strip sack. Yasir Abdullah, love the guy to death, best player on the team in my in my opinion. All those all those plays in the backfield, I think I think he calls one fumble. Yeah, like you need the the bigger plays. You need the strip sacks. You need the guys to bat balls in the air and somebody pick it off. They don't get any of those types of things. They were better last year, but they need to be good at that. And they're not good at that yet. And hopefully with more talent in the back end, guys can cover better. Guys can you know jump routes. That's where you see Quincy Riley come in. Very similar player to the player to Keytrail Clark, where he can play the ball in the air and bat balls down, get interceptions, and then better players, players in the back end, you can rotate guys in. Kendrick Duncan and, and Kentario Cole played almost every staff last year. You can't do that. It doesn't work at this level, and now you have six or seven safeties that you feel like you can play going from three. That's a that's a huge improvement. They just got to put it together. I mean, it's you know, I I can't I can't get to the point where I'm like, yeah, they're gonna win nine games. 
Should they be able to? Absolutely. But I can also see them going five and seven and, and being really disappointing. The text line, as usual, is is not Scott Satterfield's best friend. Uh, Texas says F Satterfield. All this, none of this matters for real. He's really bad. Uh, Texas <laughs> says if Keith's football knowledge played Satterfield squad, Keith would win by a hundred. <laughs> Texas says big picture with Sat and the staff. It just seems like us fans need see the need for change in this or that on or off the field, and having to wait for him to figure it out and change himself. Way too long of on the job training for Power Five conference ball, given how much the salaries are these days. Uh, Texas says, what do you expect from Selah Brown in year one? Um, I, I think it depends. I would have felt better if Sayla was here in the spring. Uh, I think he's got to work on his body just in general, just like every freshman. Um, but I, I'm always reluctant to like when I do the early depth charts, I'm always pretty reluctant to put freshmen on there. Cause you never really know. Uh, I love Sayla as a player though. I thought he was, uh, you know, you know, that, that fringe four-star guy, you know, four-star by some services, three by the other. But I, I think he's, he's got, he's a little bit stocky. He doesn't have that great length that you want to see, but for three, four in and in their system, I would love to see him get on the field this year. I am adamant about this. I hope to God every coach in the country, but especially Louisville's coaches, stop redshirting kids. Yeah. What is the point? Nobody's playing five years and developing. They're going to leave at some point. Uh, or at worst, if you feel like the guy can play next year, getting him on the field reps is more important than just saving an extra year. So, Hopefully he gets on the field some, but I, I I don't I don't know if he's necessarily an impact freshman. I think it's it, it's it should be pointed out it's very hard to come into the college football uh, level as a freshman and play. I saw twenty four seven sports did their hundred days still college football thing, and one of their stories to celebrate the event was the one hundred most impactful true freshmen of this upcoming season, and they had Popeye Williams on there. Yeah, do you think he's a guy that we could see? Like playing a fairly significant role in this defense uh, right away. Yeah, I think if your Dula wasn't here, he'd be he'd you'd be talking about him potentially starting. Uh-huh. You know, really pushing Cam Wilson, who's who's likely to be the backup. He was the backup last year. Another guy that was a top player in his in the in in his class when he when he signed with Louisville. Um, Popeye Williams is going to play. I mean, he's got certifiable like high level skills that translate much more easily, and especially the position. You're just rushing the passer. Like, they're not going to put him out there in a situation where, hey, they might run, they might pass. If he's going out there, it's going to be a package thing where, hey, we want more better pass rushes on the field. I don't I don't see him playing defensive end. Uh, I don't think he's big enough. Uh, so I think he'll play that dog spot. He'll play. Um, but I, I, it's it's more about the competition in front of him than anything else. Um, the thing for Selah, I will say, is that some of the guys that they have on the defensive line at the defensive end spot that are depth guys haven't shown anything yet. He has the opportunity to come in and push his way, you know, in. He's not going to, you know, overtake Gelati or Diaby at the end spots, but they play 12 guys on the defensive line. That's their number. That's what they have on the that's that's what they like to have from a scholarship standpoint and they want to play all those guys. So, uh they have 12, 13, 14 guys now on the defensive line. Uh, they're gonna have to. You're gonna have to push your way on there. Where Popeye has skills that translate as a pass rusher, and you know they need help as a pass rusher. So if he comes in and he can show that he can do that, I, I would be pretty surprised if we don't see him on the field. All right, before we get a break, we're doing it right now. We're giving away the tickets to Bourbon Beyond in Louder Than Life. It's the last installment of the Pick the Head Ladder contest. If you've been listening all day, waiting patiently for this to happen, you're going to be rewarded right now. Here we go. We've been celebrating. Pretty much since the, the news broke, the commitment of Jermaine Lole, he's going to be a, a fantastic defensive lineman. We're hoping this upcoming season 
Hopefully he can get in the backfield, maybe make some sacks. Along that line, the first person to correctly text the answer to this question to 502-414-1450 is going to win the final day of passes. Who is Louisville's all-time leader in career sacks? Not single season, not single game, all-time leader, career sacks. First person texting the correct answer is going to be the winner of today's contest. Uh, We'll take a break. We'll come back. I'll let the person know on the text line whether or not they've won, and we'll wrap up the show. Mike Rutherford Show rolls on next here on 1450 back in final segment of the week here for the mike rutherford show on 1450 and 96.1 the big x right before the break there we asked the question the final giveaway for the pick the headliner contest for louder than life in bourbon and beyond and the question given that we've been talking so much about the defensive line uh, and hopefully the elevated pass rush for next season who is louisville's all-time career leader in sacks many of you guessed elvis doomerville many of you had some atrocious spellings of Doomerville. <laughs> That's okay. It would have counted. The correct answer, however, Dwayne White. 37 and a half sacks, and maybe most impressive of all, he did it in three years. Yeah. 37 and a half sacks over three years. Elvis Doomerville had 32 over four seasons. Now, Doomerville does hold the record for both the single-season record and single-game record. He had six in that game against uh, Kentucky in 05, where the guy blocking him said he wasn't that good. <laughs> and then uh, had 20 that season in 2005. Dwayne White, his highest for a season was 15, but he is still the career leader in sacks. I acknowledge the winner. The winner, I probably should have done it before. I said, <laughs> I, I should have said we found the winner before we went to break because then it was just the entire break, just people constantly <laughs> guessing, taking wild guesses. But we've got a winner. Uh, big thanks to everybody who played this week. It was fun. Hopefully all the winners will enjoy their time at Louder Than Life slash Bourbon and Beyond, and everybody will pick uh, the headliner that they want to see, and they'll get to see that headliner, and it's going to be a fantastic night. Hopefully yeah. you all have great, great times. Uh, two quick uh, hoops items that we haven't had a chance to talk to and we won't spend much time on, but they are of local note. Uh, Shaden Sharp, we all knew this, but officially not going to ever play a game for Kentucky. He announced this today. He's staying in the NBA draft. Uh, I think UK fans sort of knew this for the last several weeks. If they didn't, I don't I'm sorry. <laughs> you should have. So you could, yeah, well, well. Still a very, very strange situation. They, they could have used him i think down the stretch and yeah. just you know his handler was like no he's not gonna play so there's that just straight up lied to calipari whatever uh the bigger i guess news of, of relevance for next season trace jackson davis indiana star coming back um i think most people thought this was probably going to happen there was a slight talk of him you know coming back maybe looking for an nil bag somewhere else or staying in the draft but he is going to play for indiana and how about this we live in a world now where there are expectations for Indiana Hoosiers yeah, men's basketball, yeah, it's weird. They might be the preseason favorite in the Big Ten. Yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of rooting for them. I, I kind of, I don't know. It feels like they've, they've got, they finally got some traction. So I'm hoping it works out. I don't dislike you, IU fans. I, I feel like they're, they're okay. Yeah, for I don't know. I mean, the ones not, that are online are great. Yeah, I, you know. So I, I hope they, I hope it goes well for them. I get, yeah. I think they get some hate from national writers and whatnot, and they get real spicy about it. So yeah, maybe they have something to throw back at them this time around. I mean, I'm not going to go so far as say I hope it goes well for him. <laughs> it's a bridge too far. 
It's a bridge too far. Uh, Texas, what about uh, he's actually asked this before we asked the question? Should Elvis Dumerville be in the Hall of Fame? NFL? Yeah, you gotta. You, he's in the he's in the Kentucky Sports Hall of Fame. I actually went to that, and uh, he showed it was really funny. He was comically underdressed for it. I don't think he knew what he was like showing up for, and he didn't really have a speech ready. But it was really it made it that much funnier to me because I was like, oh, he definitely didn't know what's going on. But he was really, he was really gracious. It was really cool. But it's it's just kind of funny to see somebody show up to somebody <laughs> something and be like, oh, I thought this was more of a meet and greet yeah. type deal. <laughs> he he kind of got up and gave a you know somewhat of a speech, but uh, he was really cool about it. It was really fun, really nice to everybody that was there, and like you know shook hands and did the whole autograph and picture thing. Speaking of, Michael Bush was uh, inducted yes. into the Kentucky Hall of Fame. Yeah. Last night, way too late, but you know. Yeah, it seems like that was, and which I say that knowing full well that we are the same age, like we were in the same class. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, it took it forever. Yeah. Like I should be like already. Yeah. <laughs> he was. So we were the same age growing up, mm-hmm. and there were a couple of people in our class. There were three kids my age who like everybody had heard of in the city, yeah. like who you knew, and he was. He was the big one. Mm-hmm. Keenan Burton was the other one, and yeah. then my buddy Tayshawn McBroom, who now is the coach at Oldham County, uh, was the was the third one. And Tayshawn came to Trinity and, and with with us, and when he did, Keenan bounced for Manuel. Like that was <laughs> Keenan still the running wall there. But like, the funny thing about growing up and like knowing and hearing about Michael Bush was all you heard was like basketball, basketball, basketball. Yeah, because this twelve year old kid is dunking on people everywhere. <laughs> like this is it's an amazing thing. And you knew it was a big deal. This was before, and again, I'm dating myself, but you're older than I am, so I don't feel that bad. Yeah, yeah. This was like, be- before, like, recruiting was a big deal. If there, yeah. if there was something written about a, a recruit in the newspaper, like, that was as big as it got. Yeah. And I'll never forget Rick Bozich wrote a column the summer before my freshman year of high school when, like, football practice was starting. And he was talking about Montreal Jones and how good mail was going to be that year mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And he said, and he's like, there's also a kid. Yep. A kid that everybody's talking about. Actually, a kid named that. Michael Bush. And I, I read it, that. and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, Bush <laughs> is in the paper. Like, this is, this is a gigantic deal. And then, like, you knew right away when you started talking to, like, my buddies at Mayo who played football. Like, like yeah, he's he's legit. Like, yeah. it, it, he's the real deal. And then basketball, like, he kind of, I, I think, he was still very, very good. Mm-hmm. But you could tell midway through our high school careers that, like, football was going to be his thing. Yeah. And my sophomore year, watching Trinity, who had just been a, a bulldozer in the playoffs up to that point, Playing male in the state title game, Montrell Jones and Michael Bush on the field at the same time. It looked like they just took two college superstars <laughs> and put them into a high school game, and yeah. this is what it looked like. It just it was not fair. Like those two guys were absolutely unreal. And then Bush, I think everybody knows what he would go on to do the, the, the couple of seasons after that. He was just a incredible, incredible talent. So when I when I got to play against Mike Bush, <laughs> their secondary was Mike Bush, Montrell Jones, and Chris Barclay. I remember they just being good. like, what are we supposed to do with this? Like, I, I remember, like, that was, Bush wasn't as well known from a standpoint of not, not going to school with him. Like, we, when we scattered that week, like, they were like, yeah, we, this guy's going to be, like, a, a problem. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I thought, is he like a freshman? Like, what are we talking about? Like, can't be that good. And Because we all knew who Montreal Jones was. Mar- Montreal was our Bush. You know, like, when I, growing yeah. up from my standpoint, I remember when he came and played St. Matthews uh, to play baseball in, like, the Babe Ruth level, and I, I knew him from middle school, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, like I'm like, you play baseball too? I'm like, he what was is really going good on? too. It was absurd. He was incredible. I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is okay. This guy's un- unreal. And you know, I I played basketball with him in, in middle school and whatnot. And you know, all the the, the, the kids who are just otherworldly talented, no matter what sport they're playing, you know that they're otherworldly talented. Well, when we got to high school and playing football, he had dominated since he was a freshman. And so 
you know, I'm going up against him, and I'm like, I'm, we're prepping for that week, and I'm like, okay, we got to worry about Montreal, obviously. And they're like, I'm like, who is this Bush kid they're talking about? Because, you know, in the season, we didn't really pay attention that much. And I get out there, and the first play I played in that game, I lined up against Michael Bush. And I'm looking, you know, at the sideline, and I look inside, and I, I turn forward, and he is just this massive human. And you've, you've seen, you know my brother, mm. and as a freshman playing against him and some of the guys that played on our team that were really talented and went D1, those kids were so big as seniors when I was a freshman. I was a senior going against this freshman thinking, and I'm like, this kid is, I'm looking up at him. I was like, you're playing cornerback. You should be a defensive lineman. He's a freak of he's just, uh, It was unbelievable. I mean, the talent level was great. The other thing about him, he was just a fun kid to play against because he just he just played. Yeah. Didn't talk, didn't do any of that stuff. It was just he was just like, Yeah, I'm I know I'm better than you. I don't have to talk to you guys. <laughs> like what why would I? It was just it was just unbelievable watching that kid play. Uh but that team was so stacked. I mean, Barclay ended up being arguably second best player, I guess, you know, in that team. the ACC. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I I scored on him. I just gonna go no on whether I scored on him. Say it on the radio. Yep. Say it loud. Just making sure everybody knows. I scored on Chris Barclay. It's a thing that happened. There's a video. <laughs> I, they were those teams were loaded, and Bush was the, the the crazy thing about Bush when he was, I mean, any age, like 12, 15, 17, and even like through his NFL days, was seeing him, and then thinking, there's no way that he can possibly move well enough to just like, yeah. people that size don't move. It was it was like a to a lesser degree. I don't, I'm not trying to compare the two, but it was like the same feeling that you get watching Zion Williamson play basketball, yeah. where you're yeah. like. I've never seen somebody with that body type do these types of things, and I've watched a lot of sports. Yeah, like it's just yeah. you're still blown away that somebody who's that size can be that nimble, that quick, and just like boom, right up on you. Yeah, it just he was unreal. It's fun. Um, Texas says he's asked this a couple of times. I don't know if it's a Kentucky fan who wants your expert opinion, or just a Louisville fan who wants you to crap on this guy. But does says does Keith think that Will Levis is a legit first rounder? I think he can be. He's definitely not the number one pick. I don't see that at all, especially over the guys that are that that he's he'd be going up against. I think Will Levis. Part of the thing with them at UK last year is they threw a lot of passes, very short, intermediate, and when he got the ball down the field, he made a lot of mistakes. It's all about whether or not he can show that he can actually throw the ball down the field. But Will Levis, in the in the eyes of an NFL scout, is Josh Allen. That's yeah, that's and what, so that's what they wanted to be. everything when it comes to quarterbacks is who do you remind me of, and that's what they go off of. And that's that's the that's the thing. I mean, to me, I would be looking at, you know, you know, Bryce Young and some of these other guys and seeing what they've been able to do, and that that would get me excited to be maybe more of a not a Pat Mahomes because he has that big time arm and all that, but you know, Kyler Murray and things like that that he can do in that offense. But Will Levis is the prototype. He's a big dude with from a from a height standpoint, a weight standpoint, he can run. His release is super quick, and he can throw the ball a mile. That's that's what that's where you see him getting the first first pick hype is because he has all those intangibles or not intangibles all those all those skill sets that people look for and for me it's just the fact that he hasn't been consistently it's a year you, you know he has a chance to do that if he shows he can do that especially losing Wondell Robinson who caught most of the touchdowns right. catches and yards for him um, and the potential of having not that offensive line that they had to run the ball like they were able to do last year. There's a lot of questions around him, but could he? Is he a first rounder? Absolutely, in my mind. Is he a first pick? I, I don't see it, but he can he can prove me wrong. I mean, he has the opportunity. He has the opportunity to prove me wrong. I guess is the best way to put that. But yeah, he's a first rounder. Seriously, I see Keith's point. 
But if Malik is in the Heisman running, I feel like it's going to mean Louisville has a better season than the experts are predicting. I think that's fair. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think uh, if he's in the Heisman running, so let me reword. At least be like seven yeah. and five, right? Let me, let me reword it in this way: if he has a similar season to what he had last year from a number standpoint, Louisville could be is probably in a bad shape. He, I think that's you fair. can't have Malik running the ball like he did last year and and expect them to to win games. And part of it is, you know, you go back to the season. You you look at Clemson. You look at NC State. NC State completely took away his legs. Well, now you you didn't have. He needed more dynamic players around him to take the pressure off him. He didn't have that last year. So what you need, that was where, like I that was my point about the receivers. He needs guys that he can have, not necessarily, you're not going to have two-two, right, doing the same things. But you need guys that they can get the ball to them quickly and they can make a play with their legs. Not, hey, Malik has to do it himself. And you need that, multiple guys that can do that. Amari Huggins-Bruce showed some flashes. Travion Cooley, I, I hope that he can be more than he was last year. Tyon Evans can be the bell, bell cow running back. If those guys can take that on and they can really trust that in their offense and it's not as much on Malik, they're going to be in good shape. Now, if he puts a, if he's in the Heisman talk, yes, absolutely. And the numbers he put up last year, if they had won nine or ten games, he probably would have been in New York. Yeah. But if he puts those numbers up again, I think they have a similar type of season because teams are going to take that away. And part of the reason why he had that season is because he didn't have other guys that can take that pressure off of him. I think that's fair. Was, there was a point last season when, because they, everybody now we we made fun of like the the skewed stats where it's like the only player in college football to have like one thousand yards rushing, over one seventy five passing in six games at home, <laughs> like you know all this stuff. But there were a number of those stats that were nuts when it came to Malik Cunningham, Absolutely where he was insane. in rarefied air. Yeah, and you did start like like. When Louisville was, it was clear that Louisville wasn't going to have like an eight or nine win season. Mm-hmm. You started wondering if we had had a Lamar Jackson type season where you're, you're nine and three. Yeah. And they fell off late, but whatever. If he would have at least been in the conversation, because people did, they would throw these crazy stats out there. And then Malik Cunningham wasn't even first, second, or third team All ACC, yeah. which is it's kind of nuts looking back at it. And I think the thing, you know, it's, it's no different than what we talked about earlier. You win the Virginia game, you win the Wake Forest game, and hey, maybe he is getting that those accolades. Sure. But also, you look at those games they lost and. Part of part of that was his usage rate so high that okay, well, who else is going to take take this over for him? And the NC State game, I, I talk about that game a lot because that's the win that, that to me it was that was the loss that was the worst. It, it wasn't the closer losses; it was the fact that they just took away the entire offensive ability to, to do anything, and it really showed how much of a it, it wasn't a truly a one man show. But it was if you take away what Malik does best. You really have nobody. That, they can't. They don't have anything else they can go to. You can't just say, "Okay, we're just going to pound the running game," because Malik has to be a factor in the run game. You can't just say, "Hey, we're going to throw the deep ball." Well, if they can stop other stuff, now you've got guys that can play deep, and you can take away Tyler Harrell. You know, they really they struggled so mightily in that game, and it was like, man, it, it, they can't. They need more. They just need more. And and I talked about this. You know, I was, I was tweeting with somebody a while back about how they need to add another receiver or this, that, and the other. And somebody was like, well, you know, when has this offense been able to been able to uh, feed more than two guys? And I was like, I don't really care whether or not guys are getting enough touches. They need the options. They need the ability to say, okay, we have options to get the ball to, to feed. And they haven't really had that. I think we've been spoiled by the fact that they had Tutu and Dez together and Marshawn Ford. And it's like, well, that's great. Where's the fourth guy? Where's the fifth guy yeah. that when things when you spread things out, you're not predictable because hey, everybody knows Tutu's getting the ball no matter how many receivers are on the field. 
they need to have that. And hopefully, like I said, I could be wrong. You know, they they brought in D. Wiggins. I'm much higher on him than than uh, maybe some others are. Tyler Hudson, they're talking him up. Huggins Bruce obviously showed he can do things. You get Braden Smith back. You got a couple freshmen. I'm really high on Chris Bell, who's an underrated freshman in my opinion. Maybe these guys come out and they trust them and they put them in the offense and things go well. But the running backs are really what needs to be able to go, and they, they improve there. So maybe they have some things to work with. Do you think that this is – because we certainly saw flashes from Travion Cooley last year. Um, I know some people were kind of upset about, like, the passive-aggressive tweeting, which whatever. He's, he's stuck around. He's still here. He's, he's not, still here. That's all. Didn't I mean. go to NC State. Yeah. I did love his response to Satterfield being upset about the Tyler Harrell thing where he's like, just be happy for a man. Damn. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean um, – Is this a year where he could – pop or, or is he going to get maybe potentially lost in the shuffle because i still think that he has the potential to be like very very good i think the the big thing with uh travion cooley uh and, I, and, I, and it was funny it's funny because like i said i've been rewatching his games he's got great hands he does i mean he catches the ball so well and so naturally they are gonna add i mean it was it was a part of their offense last year i think it's just gonna become more of a part of the offense this year uh not just from a check down standpoint but they had a couple pass plays of him last year specifically to him um you know, he had the one in the UCF game that he you know, he scored the long touchdown. The Duke game, he was out there, and you know Malik found him. He that's that's the aspect to me that's going to take him. That they're battling in the running running back room. They're they're not just talking that way. They really are. I mean, you can tell uh, based on the fact that none of the guys gave up. Like somebody was going to leave. That was my thing. You have four backs because Jawar Jordan showed that he can play at this level yeah. and play well, way better than I thought he was going to be. Um, especially the the first practice. I mean, Jesus, he was just getting killed by uh, by Derail Sims you know, in his very first practice at Louisville, and I'm like, this guy's not going to make it. He doesn't even look he wants to be here. And apparently, he tried to transfer midseason. So, uh, but he came at you know the last four games, he showed what he can do. So you've got four guys battling, and none of those guys gave up. So I think they're truly battling. I think Trayvon Cooley has to improve his run blocking, which is a big part of their running back game because they run so many play action things with the with the. Um, back in the tight end blocking on the back end but he's got the speed that they need in this offense he's got a little bit of um, you know wiggle to his to his runs that he can make people miss he's just got to improve and be more consistent but the but the catch the ball out of the backfield that's a game changer and Tyon Evans he, he caught a couple passes at Tennessee dropped one in the spring game that was right to him Jalen Mitchell just doesn't have that big playability he's your he's your workhorse he's gonna get carries he might even be the starter but he has shown us in the in the time he's been here, he can't break those big runs. And if they can't break big runs, they 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 that the offense doesn't work. And we we saw that with Javian Hawkins. That is a big part of why he was so the offense was so good with Javian Hawkins is because he can hit the home run, and that's just a big part of this offense. It's a big play offense, and you know Jalen Mitchell can can get you a hundred yards in a game, but you got to have those big plays. And I think that's where Cooley separates himself from the himself from the other guys. Speaking of baseball metaphors, we told you to stay tuned. Cards are rallying. Yep. Seven three now. Nice. Louisville baseball three runs. It's very early. Still the third inning. Uh, they they started. They tried to start early so they could be ready for tomorrow's noon first pitch. This may not end until nine o'clock. Say this game's gonna take forever. Uh, this is a question for you. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton Stacks line. Uh, Texas, do you think that we could be a landing spot for Cedric Irvin Jr. Just decommitted from Notre Dame today, and apparently Lance Taylor was the one who originally got him to come to Notre Dame. I did not see that he uh, decommitted. Uh, Four star running back. Yeah, I, I remember him. He's a he's a do super talented. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, just two things. They got a lot uh, of running backs right now. Yeah, they have running backs. They're also out of room. So 
let's, I mean, another thing that, you know, to be honest, and, you know, this is something, the not fun part of uh, recruiting and, and transfer portal and whatnot, Louisville's full. They're plus one right now. So at this point, you know, you're, you're, we're probably going to see somebody else leave the program. And unfortunately, this is just kind of part of the deal. I used to kill coaches over it. I don't kill them anymore. You're going to take your hits, though. I mean, some people are going to call you out for it. Uh, but I'm pretty sure at some point here pretty soon, unless, and I will say this, there's always different things that can happen. You have guys that instead of transferring might just be done playing football. You have guys that maybe are on scholarship that they might be willing to, you know, go you know, pay their own way. There's all kinds of stuff. We uh, we saw that with who Kyle Kirk or whatever. Not likely to happen. There's all kinds of things, but they're plus one right now. So I don't think they're going to take another uh, recruit from that standpoint. But you also have things where guys waited till after May. Um, you have grad transfer possibilities that guys might move on, but they would have to clear out some space to bring in Cedric Irvin. What you what would be nicer though is if he if he was a transfer next year because I do think they're going to be losing. Tyon Evans is probably gone next year, and then there's a chance that obviously with the crowded running back room, somebody's going to be the odd man out, and they might want to transfer next year. Um, and they're probably only going to bring in one one high school running back. So if he was next year, I'd say so, but. I do think one thing to, to the point about Lance Taylor, I think he's been a really good addition on the recruiting trail. Um, he's gotten them in with some guys, and he's also done really well with these receivers that were they were kind of in on before he got here. I think he could be a factor whether or not they get a guy like DeAndre Moore or Jontae Cook because he's got the accolades. He's a guy that I think connects well with these with these recruits. And, you know, I think they're in good shape for some of these guys, though. Um, last text we can get to um... – Texas, well, first, Texas says, Coach Quinn has the knowledge for us. The only thing missing today was sprinkling a few Coach Cliche lines. Can he deliver us a few before we get out of here? I don't have any Coach Cliches. I, I, I don't know. It's taking it one game at a time. Yeah. One show at a time. You know? Uh, Texas says, how many games do we win this year if you put Will Levis as our starting quarterback? Do you think we win more or less games than with Malik? Uh, I, don't know that Will Le- I don't know that Levis really does anything – in this in this offense, this system would be a weird. That fit. would yeah, that would really make him better than Malik. I don't know if he'd be worse because I think he, I think Will, I think Will Levis is a very good quarterback. I, I do. I mean, obviously, I think he's a first round pick, but I don't know that with what Louisville does on offense, I don't know that Will Levis is necessarily great for that. Um, and, and and part of that is because he hasn't shown it. I mean, like, I can't stress this enough. A lot of UK's offense last year was a lot of nickel and dime with with uh, Wandell making plays for him. Other guys making plays in their running get running game, not to take away from Levis's ability, but I mean, if the difference that you're looking for from Malik to somebody else is a guy that can really throw the ball down the field a little bit better. You know, not necessarily the big deep balls, but the 10, 15 yard outs, the the twenty yard crossers, all of that stuff where Malik doesn't necessarily excel in right now. I don't know if you bring Levis in and he shows that you can do that. I mean, he threw a lot of interceptions last year, so I think he threw twelve or something like that. That's what Malik was two years ago. So, yeah, uh, not yeah, you know, not to not the guy, but I just don't think he would be better in this offense. All right, before we get out of here tonight, NBA game two, Mavs Warriors, Warriors at home, six point favorites. I think I've been wrong about every pick. Like I say this at the end of every show, I'm like I'm always wrong, and I am miserably wrong every time we do this. Um, the NBA playoffs have been kind of boring lately because every game's a blowout. Who you got, yeah. Keith, tonight? I, I don't I I don't I can't see myself betting against the Warriors. I think they can't. they just have so much offensive firepower. Um, but at the same time, 
I think you know. I think a Draymond is like like a loose pit bull. You never know what you're gonna get with that guy. He might get kicked out in five minutes into the game. And then you got a you know complete game changer. So it's true. He's a wild card. Uh, I'm going Warriors. I'm going Warriors. I hope it's more entertaining than the last game. I hope it comes. I, I just want a game that can keep me in like invested for yeah. the the full. Like, I feel like I've been checking out every time I get the kids down. I'm like, oh, and time to watch some sports. And then <laughs> my lunch got blasted last night. The, the NBA games have been boring. Uh, and then I'm also falling asleep in the middle of everything because I'm old. The Reds, the Reds are great, though. Reds are great. Yeah. We got the Reds. We got the Reds. Us, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, everybody have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Stay cool. It's going to be oh, ungodly hot out there. Uh, go Cards. We'll see you guys Monday at 3 o'clock right here on 1450 The Big X. Give it away, give it away.